All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Patrick freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to the Spoken. Spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance Twidwell. This is the Spoken Podcast. I am your host, Lance Twidwell. Here inside the Spoken Studios, my guy is Trevor Twidwell. What's good? Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. Episode 109, Full Swing, Full Motion. We are so excited to be here this week, guys, because although there has not been a ton of exciting Chiefs news to come out in the world of sports, or it's been kind of, I would say, a, a flatter time of the, the sports world, we're kind still of, kind here. Kind of a dead zone. Yeah, because at this time last year, I mean, let's be real, guys, we had zero sports. We had to get real creative. Man. We got a little more low-hanging fruit to, to talk on, man. We got a lot of good stuff to talk about, in fact. Uh, we have our guy from Arrowhead Pride, Matt Lane, Chief in Carolina, is going to be on in a couple of segments. We're so excited to get his honest opinions on all things Chiefs-related, offseason free agency, upcoming draft, the Casey Draft Guide coming from Arrowhead Pride. Man, I'm, I'm so much looking forward to that. I was talking to Kent Swanson earlier today about that, and yes, I just name-dropped. I'll pick that name up. Um, but I just, you know, it, it, these guys are so diligent and, and, and do their job so well, man, with that. I, I cannot wait to unpack that draft guide when it is released. But in the meantime, we're here, the the, the three guys of, of the Spoken Podcast. And, you know, I, I talked about earlier about, you know, being creative, you know, from last year. A year ago, man, we had literally no sports to talk about. And we had to sit here and just reflect on things. And, you know, I, I want to semi-reflect on a, on, a, on a sports experience of my own. And I was a big I was a big time baseball player. As much as football is my favorite sport to watch and consume, and basketball is after that, and then baseball kind of falls somewhere after that. I think it's more to do with the fact that the MLB has just not been progressive as uh, other leagues have been. But nevertheless, I loved playing baseball. Uh, I was a captain on my team back in high school, and uh, I took a lot of pride on and, and being as good as good at baseball as I possibly could be. And I remember my senior year. Um, three, four games in, I was like, you know what? I'm not striking out this season. And I was big on contact. You know, even if I don't get on base, I'm going to make contact with the ball. You know, if I have a fly out, a line out, ground out, I'm going to make contact with the ball. And I remember this one particular game where we had, a, we were in a real pinch. We were down a couple runs and we had a guy on second and there was two outs. And I was going against a pitcher that earlier in the year, I'd already hit a home run off of. And this kid had really nothing on his fastball at all. And I was like, I'm going to crush this ball. I was, you know, I was already in my mind running around those bases, you know, a slow trot as I would always do when I would hit a, a home run. And this kid struck me out straight up. I mean, I, I swung, I swung hard. I thought I for sure it was in the bag. And I got my ass sent home packing. And I think we ended up winning that game, one of the five games in my entire high school career that we actually won. But I remember just sitting there and how, how how much reality set in at that point that, you know what, as badass as I thought I was, as diligent as I thought I was, as great as I thought I was at the game of baseball, it humbles you. And it humbled me good. Because I was the best hitter on my team, but in that moment in time, I felt like I was a, a pine rider for sure, man. Like I was not going to ever see that field again at that point. I was that humbled. Because I should have hit a home run off that kid. 
It, it, it was it was a foregone conclusion in my eyes, and maybe to other people as well. And that's where I kind of think the Chiefs are at right now with this offseason. I think that we've been sitting here, and I speak for Chiefs fans and the Chiefs as, as a whole, that we, we've been believing that ever since Patrick Mahomes took the stage and he's just marveled the world with his skills and athleticism and ability and his clutch gene and all these other things that he adds to the, to the game and has elevated the NFL's quality of talent and quality of play even more than it was before with Andy Reid's diligence, with Andy Reid's ability to draw incredible plays, like a match made in heaven between him and Patrick Mahomes. We think, oh, and to top it off, Brett Veach, the understudy of Andy Reid since Philadelphia, you know, being a football player himself, a running back, and working his way up from being just a scout to now being a general manager, one of the 32 general managers in the entire NFL. Nothing could go wrong. And then we start to get a little humbled this offseason. Now, I, I'm not going to be the guy that's going to sit here and say the Chiefs' dynasty run is over or Super Bowl run is over because it's not. Because they still have the most important pieces in place at the end of the day. But I think we can be honest with ourselves here and say that they made some swings and misses. Now, the aggressive side of things does, does believe me because I know that the Chiefs have been out there and tried to better this roster. It's not like they've been sitting on their hands. But I'm trying to figure out what exactly it is that's causing this space, this gap in between the Chiefs and these top-tier free agents. Because we have heard of these guys coming to Kansas City, like a Melvin Ingram, who would benefit this defense significantly. Even though he, he's not in his prime anymore and he had a, he's had a past of injuries, he is still an incredible pass rusher. And he would fit this defense to a T. Comes to Kansas City last week, or this last week rather, and leaves without a deal. Those are the types of deals I don't understand why there's a swing and a miss. There's got to be something that's going on. And I, you know what? At this point, I've been trying to keep calm and collective because I trust Beach. I trust Andy Reid. I trust the Patrick Mahomes. The attraction of having Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback is going to reel some guys in. And it has, to a degree. But there's got to be something. And I, and I want to take a second here with you guys here at the table in the studio and, and really break this down from our viewpoint as to what you guys think it is. I mean, because I understand it's a, it's a very unique offseason. You know, the cap went down for the first time in like 12 years, which is something that I can understand why teams are struggling so with. So much but, movement because of that. But the Chiefs have over $20 million in cap space to utilize. Mm. You're coming off back-to-back -back Super Bowl uh, uh, appearances. You have Patrick Mahomes. You have Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Andy Reid. The list goes on and on and on and on about why people would be attracted here. But is it almost – and I just want to give you my opinion real quick on this, guys, because I think that this is just from my standpoint. I think there's almost like an intimidation factor when it comes to the Chiefs because there has been now an establishment of – you have not just a great quarterback, because like Tom Brady in New England, you had a rotating door at running back and wide receiver and tight end outside of Gronkowski. You had a rotating door. Even Randy Moss only played there for a few, for a few seasons. There was, there was less of an intimidation factor because you knew that you were going to play a primed role and position with Tom Brady. With Patrick Mahomes, you know that it isn't just Patrick Mahomes you're going to. You know that there's a package there. You know that Travis Kelsey is going to get top target. You know that Tyreek Hill is going to get top target. So it's almost like on a prove-it deal that most of these guys are taking, they don't believe they're going to be able to capitalize and get the production to get them that next big contract. Whereas I thought the opposite coming into this offseason. I was excited because I thought these guys would come in because of the success that was going to yeah, almost inevitably about, yeah, follow them. Yeah, we talked about them. the Chiefs being attractive too. Just because of the success. like More than likely, yeah. the Chiefs are going to get back to the Super Bowl this year. Yeah. 
And if they do, and these guys are out there in primetime games with Patrick Mahomes, they get this shine, they'll get that Super Bowl tax. But as we've seen with guys like Demarcus Robinson, who just signed back with the Chiefs, that isn't out there right now. So maybe these guys are wanting to go to lesser talented teams to try to get production. Yeah, Denver, and get their Denver the Raiders of the, of the world. There's been a, and Jets yeah. and Giants. All these teams have been, you know, attracting a lot of guys. And there's a lot. I mean, there's two different things that individual players are driven by. It's either money, security, or it's they have had that already and they want to win. That's why I was expecting like the Melvin Ingrams of the world to be. I, I fully expected us to sign him when he was here. I did not expect him to leave without a deal. I mean, a deal could still happen, but typically when players like that leave without a deal, it tends to make me lean towards that's not going to happen now because the the agent in uh, our front office couldn't you know come to terms with it. his his agent come to couldn't come to terms with our front office with what they had uh, laid out for him. So that sucks. That's disheartening. I like Melvin Ingram. I still think he has a lot in the tank. I think he'd be a really good contributor to this defense. And that's what I, all I really wanted to focus on, too, was bringing in, you know, a new flashy receiver would have been cool. You know, throwing an A.J. Green or a T.Y. Held for sure would have been nice to throw into this offense. But I'm not really worried about the offense. Um, I think we have our two-star receivers, and we can get by with, you know, the Byron Pringles being the third guy and the DeMar- DeMarcus Robinson uh, being the third guy. Um, you know, I think we can get by with those being the third, you know, McCole Hardman being the third, fourth option. I think we can get by because I think just Pat is that great. He, we've seen him do things with Albert Wilsons of the world and, you know, win games. Um, but I think we've seen a lot of players go to lesser teams and take more, the more the most money they can get. And I don't, you know, get your bag, man. I'm, I'm not going to discourage guys. Um, I mean, the Chiefs, I think the Chiefs were fully sold they were going to get Trent Williams. And I think once that fell apart, I think the old game of Jenga, I think a lot, I think a lot of it came crumbling down and then they kind of lost their mojo. And I think a lot of other guys, we were so into him heavy – a lot of things were put on the back burner, and a lot of other players signed around that time were already in cahoots with other teams. I just think things kind of just fell out of favor on, on our on our end. Um, that's just the way of the game, man. A lot there was so much movement going on at the time, and we were just kind of waiting for the Trent Williams deal to break through, but it didn't happen, and that was a bummer for us fans, and I'm, I'm sure for Beach it was a big bummer. Um, so, I mean, I, yeah, man. I mean, we like, we've talked about it since the Super Bowl ended that this was going to. I mean, before the Super Bowl. We, you know, leading into this offseason, you know, there was going to be so many players looking to, you know, chomp at the bit to come play here, and I, which I still think is true. I mean, we we, we got Tooney. Tooney was a great addition. It was a great first move, um, much-needed position. So, yeah, I mean, we need to take care of our own first now. I mean, the way it's looking, we need to take care of Tyron. You know, we need to, we need to figure out, you know, ways to restructure our, our, our space. We have space, but – we could have space for a lot more too if we get Tyron taken care of and maybe restructure Frank Clark. That would be huge too. Uh, Tyreek, I'm not really touching that. Tyreek deserves every bit of money he's getting right now, and he's already underpaid as far as what his talent is in this league. For being needs honest, an that's what I'm saying. So I'm not. I the whole Tyreek situation should be water under the bridge. It's not. I mean, we stood by him. You know, it's been a mutual thing. He's overperformed honestly from the expectations. The guy's been an elite receiver in this league, so he's not getting paid elite elite money for being honest. He's getting paid good, but he's not getting paid with some of the other guys that are, you know, lesser than him in my mind. Um, yeah, man. I mean, it's there's still we still have a draft to come. You know, it's a good draft. There's a lot of good offensive line talent in this draft. There's a lot of good defensive end talent and wide receiver and tight ends. There's a lot of good talent in this draft. Um, you know, so but yeah, man. There's been so much movement <laughs> in this league. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would have loved to have seen some more names and some more deals done on our end, but you know, I'm not 
this is a team coming back from the Super Bowl. We pretty much have the same team outside of a couple pieces. You know, being a, a left tackle is pretty important, so we need to figure that out fairly quickly. But outside of that, man, I'm like you said, I'm extremely confident this team's going to be right back in the race to, to come out of the AFC and, the, and represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. If, if I tell you I'm, I'm not concerned about this team going into next season, I'll be lying to you guys. Uh, th- there's like a concern. Beach, Beach has, uh, you know, like uh, gone into every offseason uh, with, uh, I guess, low expectations from Chiefs fans, uh, see what he does mm. and stuff like that. Past two seasons, he's been able to surprise us, been able to, you know, bring good talent uh, free agent-wise. Draft, that's a different topic. Uh, him not being great at the draft, that's, yeah. Um, but but this team is hurting. I, I don't know. I don't know what happened. Uh, with uh, the whole Trent Williams situation completely, like, broke Brett Beach. I don't know what happened. I don't know if uh, that was the only guy that we're actually hoping to get and then that we're going to get everything else in, in the draft. But, like, you still have holes in, in your wide receivers, and you bring back, bring back uh, Demarcus uh, Robinson, who can't fucking catch a pass to save his life. He's made, some, he's made some big plays in his career with us, too, no, though, at the same time. One out of, like, 100 yeah. don't count, bro. Yeah, no. <laughs> he caught no, Patrick no. Mahomes' 50th no. touchdown. Give me, give, no, give me. Yeah, that's, that, that's why he got paid. Give me. I'm just glad Byron Pringle stuck around. That's that's the guy for me. Look, man, we, we haven't seen much. Uh, this this year is going to be the year for uh, Miko Hardman and Byron Pringle to actually, you know, show the Chiefs why they deserve an extension, yeah. why, why the Chiefs should go out there and pay them money. Well, why McCole was drafted where he was. Why, I mean, exactly. he, he needs to and, perform. Because they could have gotten DK Metcalf, but, like, <laughs> I, I guess he had, like, a whole neck issue or something. Well, yeah. and also the Chiefs were anticipating they made an every time. They needed a speedster receiver. Still, still I get should it, but, DK. but Yeah, yeah. That was that premeditated fucking pick just because of the speed. They saw speed. They're like, oh, well, I'm just saying. That, I think if they knew that Tyreek Hill was going to no, play, that came at Cap. He was in the guy. same vein. He that's was a returner. Fine. That's fine. Yeah. But you, you went and just got speed because you, your uh, whole offense is off uh, built of speed, yeah. literally. And Miko Harmon fit that description, and he he had that you know Tyreek Hill look in him and. Yeah. That, what worries you the most, though, as far as what's well, your the, the left offensively tackle or defensively? The, the, the offense, offensive, mm. offensive tackles. Uh, not the tackle, but the 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 left tackle, uh, right tackle. Not so much because uh, we have Lucas Miang, and uh, obviously we'll see we'll yeah. see what he what he does. But like uh, a lot of unknowns, a lot of unknowns. Uh, yeah. Patrick Mahomes blindside. The left tackle is what yeah. what worries me the most. Patrick Mahomes when he gets hit hard, we we we've seen him getting injured. The Chiefs can't afford to do that. Yeah. The the Chiefs have to go into this offseason thinking of Patrick Mahomes' future. That's what they have to go in. They have to go in there and protect their their star player, their 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 superstar. Mm. And Brett Veach is failing Patrick Mahomes by a lot. Yes, he brought uh Tooney uh for like a hundred and something million or whatever. Yeah. Well eighty million 80 total. Million, yeah. yeah. But it's, it's a lot whatever. of money. It's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. And you're only one player is not going to fucking cover the whole offensive line. The whole offensive line needed a a, a, a remake. A re, uh, like they had redo, to redo yeah. the whole thing. I think Kyle Long, they, they're putting a lot of they're putting a lot out. Yeah, stock they're trusting in them way too yeah. much. LDT, they're trusting them way too much. I those love the guys, LDT coming guys, back. LDT, LDT's consistent, the, man. But those guys have been out of the game for over a year. 
that's that can be a good thing sometimes. They're older, but they're older. They're in their 30s. Mm-hmm. As they're well. older. They're in their 30s. And and Man, this, remember uh, we we criticize like the Lakers because you know they start off slow because they're older. They're veteran players, so they take time to get it going. In the NFL, you only get 16 games or 17 this season. You don't. You have to get it going by week one. If you don't get it going, when are you going to get it going? And that's where my frustration is starting to lie with with the way things have gone this offseason. It's, it's not that I expect perfection out of Brett Beecher or the front office. I don't expect superstars. Right. And, and Trent Williams obviously would have filled the like, – like, if, if, if Trent Williams was here in Kansas City right now, I think that obviously our tone is totally different. But even if Trent Williams was obtained by the Chiefs, yeah. they would still have a needed center. There's still questions at guard. There's still questions at right tackle. We don't know who's going to be the right tackle. I know Lucas Niang is a pencil in, and a lot of people are assuming he's going to be that guy or compete with Kyle Long for the right tackle position or Mike Rimmers, whoever it's going to be. The point, though, is is there's a lot more questions at the positions of need than there are answers, and that's a problem for me. I do believe that right now, as it currently stands, if I had to pick a team to make to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl, it's going to be the Chiefs. Yeah. Because of, again, Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. But I don't want, and this is what my biggest concern is with the Chiefs moving forward. I don't want this team to approach off seasons like the Packers and Seahawks have. Where they know they got the superstar talent at quarterback, and he's just going to fill the need. Well, you saw how both of those guys, uh, Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, have been, right? Yeah. They both won one Super Bowl. Well, Andy Reid and Veach have proven that not to do that. So, I mean, I, I would expect them to be consistent. I mean, every year they brought in a, a, a decently big name or a big name. Here's the problem, though, Trevor. Since 2013, when Andy Reid came here to Kansas City, mm-hmm. they've only drafted seven offensive linemen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And but only I mean, one of them was in the first round. That's a problem. Yeah. It was Eric Fisher, the very first pick Andy Reid had. Which goes as back to coach. my point. I've, they were fully in on Trent Williams. I think they're, they, I think. What Even Trent Williams came out and said he was almost – The, and that's the, what I'm saying, the like, development's not there, though, because a lot of these teams that have great offensive lines, most of them aren't bought. A lot of them are built. A lot of them are built through the through the, through the uh, through the draft, and the Chiefs have not done that. I think and we're that still is what's pissing me off. Though. No, that's what's honestly pissing me off, though, is that the Chiefs know they have the most transcendent quarterback of our entire generation. And they don't care. And they're not – it's not that It's not that they don't care. I think that they're missing the mark. Is that yes? Trent Williams would have been great, huh? and you can't avoid Eric Smith, Eric Fisher, and Mitchell Schwartz getting injured. How, My point though is how, there has to be contingency plans, and they're how, not. How can you not convince Trent Williams to to protect Patrick Mahomes, probably the greatest quarterback, could potentially be the greatest quarterback of all time? Well, well how can you not convince him to protect him? You still, you were still going to pay him over a hundred mil over Jimmy G. Like what? I won't blame. I won't. Yeah. Blame, I'll say this. I won't blame the Chiefs for Trent Williams not coming here because he Trent Williams. Is, yeah, Trent Williams said himself he wanted to stay in San Francisco, yeah. and that should tell you how much he wanted to because the best team in the NFL over the last three seasons didn't or he didn't want to go with them. Yeah. He didn't choose Patrick Mahomes because that's how comfortable he is in San Francisco. Well, how much of that's the in the shot too? I I it, it, it probably would have felt personal Shanahan because that's yeah. the team that beat so, him in the Super Bowl. So, that's true. Uh, yeah. like. What like what has happened to all these free agents saying no to Kansas City? Like what what is happening? It, okay. it, how hard is it to sell? Uh, you know, Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes. And Patrick Mahomes should be a selling point to a lot of. These and I 100 percent agree with you. That's what I'm saying. I think that this is where I'm trying to unpack the theories. The juju here one was of confusing, what you guys think but... it is. 
Juju to me is it's simple. It was a football decision for him, or yeah. a, a brand decision for him, because he wants TikTok is very. I know it sounds yeah, he's gotta, silly. He's got to compete with Pat, Travis yes. Kelsey, and Tyree. Well, not just that, and I'm not trying to sound funny or bring in family members into this, guys. But we do know that Patrick Mahomes' brother Jackson Mahomes is big on TikTok. Oh my god! And I'm not trying to be silly, Shut guys. But they, guys, bro, this if they, matters. Bro, if they teamed up, this matters to Juju though. Juju himself has, has talked about that he took less money on less guaranteed dollars to stay in Pittsburgh because he knows he's one of the big fish. He comes to Kansas City, he's what? The fifth most popular player on the I team? Juju would have been point loved was, here. And I agree with you. My yeah. point, though, schematically, yeah. football-wise, he's a perfect fit for the Chiefs. There is a reason why he didn't choose Kansas City. Brand. He's focused on his brand. He's a great football player. He's really, really good. But that's not the most important thing to him. That's why that happened with Juju. Trent Williams, we've explained it. It's because he wanted to stay in San Francisco. There's a comfortability factor with Kyle Shanahan. Whatever it is, it works, right? So the ones I'm not I'm not focused on those because those are I don't think the Chiefs could have done anything more to get those guys. Those guys made their decisions. We have to live with that. It's Melvin Ingram coming here to Kansas yeah, that's City. The one that hurts me. I don't get that. I wanted that. How the hell do you let him walk away without a deal? That that's the one that pisses me off. That's would I have loved to have Trent Williams and Juju Smith Schuster? Yes, because those guys would have been key players for the Chiefs getting back to the Super Bowl. But there's nothing we could have done about those guys, yeah. so I'm making peace with that. What I'm not making peace with is when you have these veteran players that would fit perfectly for one season, come to Kansas City, it's confirmed they're here, and they fly out without a deal. That's not okay. Tyron Matthew and, and, Ty, uh, and Tyreek Hill not getting extensions yet, but you want to restructure Tyreek Hill, you know he's not going to do it. So give him a three-year extension. Tyron Ty Matthew, what is happening with these veterans that are here? What are happening with these veterans that are coming here to Kansas City to visit and not getting deals? Where is Andy Reid? That is exactly – and see, I'm glad you just asked that yeah. because that's my next question to you guys before we take a break here. I have my theories on Andy Reid not being here. And Shaggy Shane Williams – our guy, I love that dude to death. He's been bringing it. He's been knocking that home over the last several days. He's been texting me about it. He's been Incognito. tweeting about it. He's been putting it on social media. And it's a fair question because I think it needs to be addressed. This offseason, we've not heard from Andy Reid. Yeah. It has not happened. We're going to ask Matt Lane about this. I don't know what ha- what's going on. My theory, Andy Reid is coming off back-to-back Super Bowl runs. He's probably trying to decompress. But more so than that, he's having an issue with one of his sons. We know that he has a history of uh, – his sons have had a history of, of – bringing some negative attention to their family. He's already lost a son, so he's probably trying. I don't want to speak family matters here, but I have to imagine that his focus during the offseason this time around is to help his son or get his son as much help as he possibly can because it's his only remaining son he's got. So I imagine that's taking the focus, and he's trusting the guy that he's known for 15 years, Brett Veach, He's going to take care of the offseason this time around. I'm going to focus on my family for a couple of months. That's my theory. I'm not saying that's what's happening. For all I know – Andy Reid just in California resting up, and he's just as glued in as possible. He just hasn't spoke yet. Regardless of what the issue is, I, I would like to know where the hell Andy Reid is because at the end of the day, he's the one that runs this show, not Brett Beach. It's yeah. Andy Reid's show here. Yeah, I mean, it's it's disheartening not being able to hear from your coach when he's a very vocal leader in this league as far as head coaches go and the community of head coaches uh, and the brotherhood there. He's always he's a top dog. You know, he's one of the – the top guys in this league that people listen to and you know they are, you know i'm used to hearing him on the off season on the, the herd and different shows being interviewed you know leading into the draft season and all this it's it's weird not seeing big red out there anywhere um yeah man i mean it's just all this stuff combined with us i do believe we're going to get some deals done i do believe we're going to sign a free agent left tackle somewhere i think it's going to be villanueva or one of these guys i think we're going to end up bringing one of those guys in and then drafting one I think that that makes sense instead of drafting one and throwing one out there because left tackle is just not a position typically unless you're just an outlier talent to go start day one at left tackle. That's tough to do. 
um, especially with all the pressure having to protect for Pat. So I just think I know, the Melvin Ingram really pissed me off, and it was really that was the most bewildering bewildering one to me because he's not demanding a ton of money at this point of his career. He's still got juice in the tank. Um, it's the perfect scenario for him. You know, he's not he's staying within the same division. He knows the Chargers. He knows you know this division really well. He would know how to attack and, and you know each each. And he'd finally have a chance at a Super Bowl. Yeah, and, and he would fit. He would fit perfectly into his defense. So I, I just want to know what, like, how it yeah. failed, and that's that's where I'm coming into play with Andy Reid. Like, we have is, the money to spend. Andy Reid's absence playing a factor. That's, in what, this. That, 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 that's what I was going to say. I, yeah, I think the morale. Andy Reid not being here, not being present, not being able to talk to these free agents, not being there. Yeah, it puts this question in the free agents: like, what well, is he going to retire? Is he going to come back? Well, yeah. Like they're leaving, like they're leaving Kansas City with more questions than when they came in. Yeah, and I don't think that's a good look because we all know that. Yes, if you go and meet the general manager of the Chiefs, Brett Veach, it's like, oh, this is going to be an important meeting. Obviously, the Chiefs want to bring me in, and I'm sure he has great sales pitches and all that stuff. But you're right. There's there's a difference between having Brett Veach in the room and you're talking yeah. with him and your agent as opposed to having Andy mm-hmm. Reid and Brett Veach. Now again. We can't confirm that Andy Reid hasn't been a part of any of these talks or discussions. What we do know, though, is that we've had nothing but silence from Andy Reid. And that is deafening, as our guy Shaggy Shane has so eloquently put. And along with the fact that Eric Bieniemy, a very beloved offensive coordinator here in Kansas City, still doesn't have a deal done as far as staying here in Kansas City. He's not even under contract right now. And we're about exactly a month away to the day of the NFL draft. So I'm... I'm not concerned that the Chiefs are going downhill. What I'm trying to figure out, though, is should I be worried that they're plateauing? That's what I'm worried about. Well, I think the Chiefs are going to be a 10-win team for the rest of Patrick Mahomes' career. It's just, are they going to get better, or are they going to take care of the things that are absolute yeah, I mean, needs? And Eric Bainey's situation yeah. does concern me. Yeah, the problem is vacancies. We have vacancies right now. We have bodies not in position where we need bodies. You know, We need we need players. We need coaches. We need everybody on, on all hands on deck. I mean, this is... We're not an everyday team. We're not a rebuilding team. We're a team that's primed and ready to continue this dynasty and this run. That's the most frustrating part, man. Like we're we're supposed to be blazing the trail and you know be the example of the league and be with the, with our, our quarterback being the face of the league now. Like we gotta lead by example. You know we gotta. It's just yeah. It's 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 disheartening. Like I said, and it's frustrating to see players come in here and then leave without deals and players are straight up picking the Bengals over us and picking the Giants over us and all these teams it's just like what that's frustrating man like that's not what we expected we expected us to be a dragnet and a magnet for all these big names and everyone would, 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 would want to play here and play for Pat especially for offensive weapon guys and it just haven't hasn't happened man we're re-signing to get the Ben Neemans and you oh, know all these Nick things Kaiser, yeah I mean, we're, yeah so I yeah, Look, I'm, I'm okay with that. But here's the thing: Kent Swanson tweeted this out a couple of days. Well, it was a little over a week ago. He was, he was. I understood where he was trying to come from with with the whole you know resigning some of these guys like Ben Neiman and Nick fucking Kaiser and Mike yeah. Rimmers. Like, I get why they they're signing some of these guys back. And, and Kent broke it down about you know these are good depth guys. These are good special teams Robert guys. Sorensen. The problem though is that these guys aren't being used as depth guys. They're being used as starters. Like, Mike Rimmer started, what, nine games last season? Eight games? Yeah. Uh, ben Neiman started almost all, all season long. Like, these are problems you don't want to be continuing into the future. These can't be your starters. Nick Kaiser can't be your tight end, too. Like, 
I don't want to sit here and just bitch and complain because the Chiefs have, been, have done great over the last couple seasons. But when I see off seasons like this in March, like Blake Bell, I think too. Yes, he did, yeah. and he'll like probably Bell. be tight in too. Like I'm just Bell. saying that Nick Kaiser seems to be going to be playing a pivotal role on yeah. this team, and I got a real problem with that. Yeah. I, I we've saw we've seen with him on the field, he's not good at football. And, and like I said, when problems like this continue to emerge, and we sit here and wake up every single day and see the Chiefs not making any any. Uh, uh, adequate replacements or acquisitions, I have to start questioning. Is it Andy Reid that saved Brett Veach and given him this opportunity and having Patrick Mahomes t- attached somewhat to Brett Veach's legacy, being the guy that you know scouted him? Is that is that giving him some uh, some credence that maybe he didn't really deserve? Because we've talked about it, and again, I'm not going to make the whole John Dorsey versus Brett Veach argument anymore because it's over. That's been three years done. The point, though, is that is Brett Veach progressing as a general manager? That's the question I have to ask, and I think it's a fair question at this point because, again, we're seeing we're seeing how this offseason has gone, and and Brett Veach has been really good in free agency and with trades and things of that nature. But the draft has been where his questions have lied and some of his concerns have lied because he's not been very good with some of the early picks. Breland Speaks being his first ever pick. Breland Speaks never really played for the Chiefs. He, yeah. he played, I think, a few games. And you're talking about, uh, uh, you know, uh, Juan Thornhill has been a solid player. McCole Hartman, you trade up for him in the second round, hasn't really popped. And I've been the biggest McCole guy, but that's just the facts of it. There's a lot of questions when it comes to the draft as to what Brett Veach is going to bring to the table. But that's the problem. That, that's the problem I'm having with it is we. Brett Veach has been so good in, in, in free agency, and he's been able to work out these contracts and get guys paid and keep guys here, the Chris Joneses and all these guys, and get them paid handsomely. I feel like that would attract you know, the Melvin Ingrams. That's what surprised me about him leaving without a deal because Brett's what Brett Veach has been. That's been his bread and butter is signing guys, bringing guys in, and convincing them to play here and, and paying them. So, And that's and, and yes, yeah, so that's where I'm at with – to bring up this entire thing with Veach, it's, okay, he's not had great draft selections to this point. And the trend has been, oh, he's so good at getting veterans and these short-term three-year deals. Even uh, David Tooney's uh, signing, I know it's five years, $80 million. We've really break it down. It's only three years, forty-eight. I, I, I know no one's really excited to pay a guard that kind of money, but when he's that good yeah. and he's that available, yeah, you got you got to pay him what he's worth. And that's what the market is at this point for guards like David Tooney. Or Joe Tooney. I said David Tooney. Joe Tooney. Um, but now with Veach, the, the pressure's on, with, on, on him because of the fact that now that they have swung and missed and so many free agents that could have taken a lot of pressure off in the draft, you could have you know drafted for want as opposed to need. Now the Chiefs are going to hit on draft picks. Now the pressure's on for Veach, unlike any other offseason, when it comes to the draft. Because even back when we didn't, with all the uncertainty of Tyreek Hill, there was this there was this this piece of well we just saw Patrick Mahomes throw fifty touchdowns and you know Sammy Watkins is probably gonna have a really good season and Travis Kelsey's in his prime and if Tyreek Hill doesn't play you still have these great weapons and you didn't really have to stick it on the, that first pick now it's like you you really have to because the target is on the Chiefs back they've been to back to back Super Bowl since that time it's it's really amounting on Brett Veach's ability and I think like I said. I, I would really like to see the air be cleared with, with Andy Reid um, as far as what's going on with him this offseason. I know he's got a lot on his plate, you know, on with football, off of football. Yeah. I, I'm not trying to tell him what to do with this with this situation, but I, I would like to know, you know, his thoughts on things. I would like to know that he's, you know, involved with what's going on. And honestly, I don't know if it would worry me more or less if I knew that Andy Reid was exclusively involved with some of these uh, conversations with free agents and they still aren't happening. 
because then it opens up a whole other can of worms are do people not want to play for Andy Reid to some uh, degree? I, I and that's what I'm saying. I'm not trying to entertain thoughts like that, but I need to know like how exclusively involved is Andy Reid with some of these decisions and some of these uh, opportunities to add add depth to this team. And that's what we have to question. We just got a, a break on the on the during the show actually during this first segment. Hot off the press. Eddie, you want to go ahead and break that news? Yeah, Sammy Watkins officially signed with the Ravens, the Baltimore Ravens, <sighs> for, for one year, six million, five million I guaranteed. I'm so happy this is finally over. <laughs> Look, Sammy balled out in 2019 in the playoffs. He was an absolute stud for the Chiefs. This is great news because now us Chiefs fans no longer have to convince ourselves that, that Sammy Watkins, myself included, that Sammy Watkins is going to turn that corner and become this prolific wide receiver, and, and you have a you know twelve hundred yard season with ten touchdowns that never came, that never happened. He was the Joe Flacco of wide receivers for the Chiefs. He had this one nice stretch, and the rest was incomplete. I, I really don't know how else to chalk up the Sammy Watkins legacy and era, other than thank you for those three games. But outside of that, man, I mean, maybe the Jaguars game in the beginning of the 2019 season where he had three damn touchdowns and then had, what, one touchdown for the rest of the season, two touchdowns for the rest of the season. Yeah. It, to me, it's just I think this is the best thing that could have happened. Like, this offseason has not been great for Chiefs fans. This was, to me, this was great news. I know people, I know we Chiefs fans love to hold on to our players and we're sentimental. I'm glad he's gone. Well, I mean, he kind of exited himself. He was just never – even when he was on the field this past year, he, he wasn't. Really didn't took a, like, he really didn't take he, off. Yeah, he was just not. And I'm a Sammy Watkins truth though. I've always liked him since since college, and I've liked I've liked his skill set. And he was you know highly touted coming into the draft, and uh, I think he has the abilities. Just, I don't I don't know, man. I just think he's he's kind of a strange guy. I don't know what it is that you know. And when he's hot, he's hot, man. We've seen him go off, and he's very sure-handed. He has strong hands and. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like maybe he got phased out of this offense and they weren't liking what they were seeing. I don't know, man. We paid him. We kept him around and he was contributing at certain moments. But yeah, it was just way too inconsistent. And as much as I like him, I am definitely glad he, we've moved on from him for sure. And he, you know, good luck in Baltimore. It I mean, was time. It yeah, was time. I think it was time. I think he served his purpose here in Kansas City. I think bringing him in for another season yeah. is really just trying to make something out of something that's just not there. I mean, yeah. he's not old, he's not out of his prime. The problem is just availability. That is all outside of his rookie season in twenty that was twenty fourteen. He's never played sixteen games in a season, and he was starting to miss playoff games this time around. Mm. I just think the writing was on the wall that that Sammy just out he outwore his welcome here in Kansas City. Contributed it at key times, like I said in the playoffs, he absolutely balled out in that in that, in that Super Bowl run in twenty nineteen. Absolutely balled out. He was the best receiver on the team in the playoffs that year. It just, it, it just, you couldn't expect or rely that that was going to continue or ever happen again. He never could really replicate or put together a consistent season. There was always some hobbling injury. The, the, the hamstring this year just absolutely infuriated That's been his me. His whole career, he's had hamstring issues. Yeah, it's yeah. just constant leg issues and just the guy is so supremely talented. I think he was what the third overall pick in twenty fourteen or yep. second overall pick. I mean, he's a he was a stud in college, and I and I think. Well, I know he's not going to play well in Baltimore. I would be shocked if he retired yeah. midseason because yeah, I'm not going to get him the damn Trevor, ball. I told, targets, Trevor, I told Trevor game. that he's going to retire after this season. <laughs> Just saying, guys. Like, no, I don't really around. know. I don't give any. Uh, I, I don't expect a lot from Sammy in Baltimore. I know we're seeing tweets already about watching play all 16 games and ball out, guys. 
if you can't do that with Patrick Mahomes, you're not doing that with a quarterback who likes to run first. I'm sorry. I just that's like trying to make that equation with like an Alex Smith type of quarterback. But it's not like he's, it's not like he's walking over into Baltimore and becoming the number one. They got Hollywood Brown over there who's the number that's one. That's a very good point. That's and, they, very and they throw the tight ends more than any other target over there, so yeah. So that's where we're going to leave that right now, guys. We need to get to a very, very important segment. It is called the Eddie Hour. Like I said, we got a lot ahead, guys. We got a lot to talk about. We got our guy Matt Lane from Arrowhead Pride coming in tonight. I'm really excited about that. Get his thoughts and viewpoints on the all things Chiefs. Um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna see what he's at, man. On a lot of this stuff, I'm sure he's gonna reel it in a little bit for us because right now we're all over the place and uh, we need some some professionals, some professional help around here, if you will. But we got to get to the Eddie Hour first and foremost. Cannot wait to hear what Eddie's got for us. We'll get back to that after this. Commandeer is Kansas City's alternative apparel brand. They make unique Kansas City-themed apparel and accessories with an emphasis on counterculture. They're nominated for two Best of KC 2019 awards in the Pitch Magazine and have plenty of designs for both sports fans and anyone else. Find them online at commandeerbrand.com or follow them at Commandeer on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Soft shirts, designed with an edge. to get on the Spoken Podcast for segment number two. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Spoken Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell was good. and Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. Let's, let's get right to it, Eddie. What is going on in the Eddie Hour this week, my man? We'll see. We'll hmm. see. Uh, first question, we're going to go to boxing. We have some breaking news. Break it. Breaking Break that shit. news. Oscar De La Hoya announces he is coming out of retirement and will fight on July 3rd. Let me get your opinions on that. July to me. Uh, Oscar's flirting with 50 now, isn't he? He's about 47, 48 years old, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Let's see. Let's look him up. This is becoming like an ongoing trend now, it seems, where you're seeing a lot of these legendary old boxers coming out of retirement to get that big payday. I don't know. 48. 48 years old. My God. I mean, he hasn't boxed since 2012, I want to say, 2013. It's been a long time. Golden boy, man. I remember the last – I think the last prolific fight he had was against Floyd Mayweather in 08, 09, I think it was. Yeah, almost 2008. Had almost had him. Yeah, he almost had him. It was a damn good fight too. Um, and then he was past his prime back then. So uh, my thoughts are, I mean, I don't really have any expectation. Is it going to be a real fight or is it just going to be one of those exhibition-type fights like – uh, you know Tyson and yeah. and what was his name? Uh, Just a money grab. Roy Jones Jr. Roy Jones. Yeah, his, his final fight was a defeat by Manny Pacquiao in two thousand eight. Yep. God damn, it's been thirteen years. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just wondering, this is gonna be like the is he fighting for like the Cirilla's belt? Is he gonna go out there and fight in fishnet stockings? <laughs> That's what I'm That'd be fucking well, dope. I, just, I'm just, yeah. I really want to know, like, is it gonna be a real boxing fight or just an event? There's a difference between events they ha- and boxing. They haven't meant, they haven't said anything about the opponent yet, but it is official that July third he is fighting. Well, wanna, Dude, he's one of my favorite fighters of all time, so I'm, I'll, I will definitely watch it. But. I want to reverse it though and ask you a question, Eddie. Are you going to have a thought on the fact that Mike Tyson ducked Evander Holyfield on that $25 million purse? Uh, he deserves more money. Well, I'm just saying, because, you know, last week we were talking about how, you know, he told Canelo to his face that he's soft and all these other things. And then Tyson ducks Holyfield, who beat his ass 
two times. I just want to know that your thoughts on that. He beat his ass. That's why Tyson fucking went cannibalistic on him because he couldn't fight him. Lennox Lewis and Evander Holyfield whooped Mike Tyson's ass. Try and deny that. They they did not whip his ass. Okay. They beat him soundly, dude. He couldn't get That's a why lick they, on those They guys. all went the distance there. They whipped his ass. Okay, how many times did Mike Tyson ever go the distance? You whip somebody's ass, you knock their ass out. That's I'm the... just saying they methodically beat him. Dude, they methodically beat him. I just, I love those were, great, those were all-time great boxers. So that's not like it's a shame. You know, I'm not a Mike Tyson. You know, the time he fights like two like Hall of Fame-worthy boxers, all of a sudden he can't Are beat Are you really going to discount Roy Jones being one of the greatest fighters of all time, too? I mean, Roy Jones is one of the most tactical. Roy Jones Jr. Mike Tyson fought in their 50s. I know you're talking about Evander Holyfield. Yeah, I know. And this is an event. He still ducked him because he knows he got his ass beat by him. Mm. What twenty years ago? Whenever they fought, it's weird. It's weird to me. I could care less about that. But that's yeah, weird. Holyfield, Eddie, Holyfield, Eddie's ducking the question. That's Holyfield, weird. Holyfield's supposed to come. Holyfield's still supposed to come out and fight sometime. Yeah, I don't he, know what. Twenty-five million dollars. I just don't know how you pass on twenty-five million dollars. He just doesn't look good. Holyfield doesn't look. He and looks. He's the he one looks, fronting the money. Yeah, he looks. I'm just old. trying to figure it out, though. He is old. That's no, no, I'm saying, but he lo- he looks like he's in worse shape than all of these guys. Old. At least Tyson got himself yeah. in like legitimate shape. Yeah. But so Tyson's a physical freak. Yeah. Twenty-five million for Tyson. That's chunky change. He needs more money. Yeah, his his, his pop money. farm is selling yeah, more than that. Right. <laughs> he needs more money. <laughs> that his hot podcast. podcast is legit, though. Yeah, I will good. say that. All right, uh, you guys ready for the next question? No, Eddie. No, I want to sit here and stew. Let's okay, so what about Mike? <laughs> so like Mike Tyson still? No. <laughs> Move on, damn it. I already made my point. All right, uh, next question. We're moving on to the NBA. Uh, uh, It it, it has been reported today that Andre Drummond has agreed to a contract buyout with the Cavs per Shams Sharamia. Yeah. Yeah. So Drummond is now a free agent. And the front runners to sign Drummond is the Lakers. Mm -hmm. I want to get your thoughts on that. It's going to happen. He's going to go to the Lakers. I know that uh, the Clippers are also in play as well. They've been – Clippers have been very aggressive. They just went and got uh, Rajon Rondo for uh, Lou Williams and I think two second-round picks, if I'm not mistaken. We can talk about that trade in a second. Uh, The Clippers very much want Andre Drummond. He would very much sure up that that interior presence because they have none. They have zero rim protection. So – I, he's going to fit the Lakers perfectly, especially with AD still being out uh, and the missing of JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard being gone. Two, LeBron gone. Yeah, LeBron's going to be out for the next few weeks, probably three to four weeks, I would imagine. Um, yeah, he's he's a great addition for the Lakers because uh, not to say that they need to have it the same way they did last season when they won the title, but you there is something to say about having guys like Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee that can protect the rim and get yeah. those key rebounds and really make offenses work for those. You know, they, no, There was never easy buckets when you face the Lakers. The Lakers are still one of the best, if not the best, defensive team in the league when they have everybody. But adding Andre Drummond, who is probably the best rebounder in basketball, uh, one of the better rim protectors in basketball, I don't know how your team doesn't get better. So when he signs with the Lakers – the Lakers are still clearly, to me, the favorites to win it all because AD and LeBron will be back. Uh, it's just a matter of when, not if. Uh, you're talking about the only issue I would see is just chemistry. But when you have star players, they figure it out. And I think that they're going to figure it out. So I think it's only a good thing that they add, like I said, Andre Drummond, who's motivated because he's never played for a good team his entire career. He's yeah. finally getting an opportunity to win to get a ring. Yeah, he's going to be in that Tristan Thompson Cavaliers role when, the, when that team won that chip. And Tristan Thompson was very, very, very valuable in big moments. Um, you know, blocking big shots, getting big, big time rebounds, and similar to Dwight's role last year, just getting that, just being that gritty guy, that goon that's going to go out there and just you know clean off the glass, 
That's what that's what Drummond does. But Drummond's also a guy that can get buckets. Don't get it twisted. That dude can post up and, and get you some points in the paint. Uh, he can go get you 20 and 20 with five blocks in the night. That guy's a beast. Um, he would contribute well to literally any team. You can plug him into any team. He would contribute um, pretty massively, in my, if I'm being honest. The guy has a skill set that's pretty old school. Um, but he's very he's sneaky athletic, too. He can run the floor. It's not he's slow. He can still run the floor. Um, I think he fits the Lakers and the Clippers very, very well. Uh, the Clippers, I think, need him more than the Lakers do because the Lakers still have Montrez, who I think is that guy as well. He's a more athletic, smaller size version of that. Um, and more athletic, athletically gifted as far as finishing at the rack and being more creative offensively. But Drummond's that guy, man, that's just going to go out there and clog the paint. No one's going to want to drive the lane when he's standing there. Um, he's just that big specimen of a man, and he's you know he's going to be there. Um, and I think the Lakers probably had the best chance of getting him because I think that would probably be the most attractive spot for him, and who doesn't want to go play in L.A.? I mean, like the Clippers obviously could too, but the Clippers, man, I just don't think the Clippers are an attractive team. And they, they just had to make a deal – and, and overpay for Rajon Rondo. I just don't think <laughs> the Clippers' chemistry has just not been good this year. They have talent, obviously. They the have clutch team in the NBA. They too. just, yeah. I, I mean, you watch. This has been boring basketball. They, they just, yeah. And they don't un, have uninspired a, yeah, basketball. They don't have a, looks. And I just don't think Ty Lue's doing a very good job. Yeah. If I'm being honest, I think Ty Lue's not doing a very good job over there. Um, but yeah, I think I think there was a couple other teams that were interested in him too. I think the uh, well, and not to interrupt you, Trevor, but the the whole Andre Drummond aspect with the Clippers too. That I would imagine why he probably wouldn't want to go there. Not only are they not the best team in LA, but Kawhi Leonard's gonna be a free agent after the season. You have to think that Andre Drummond's probably yeah. looking a little bit Longevity. into the future. He's probably gonna wherever he goes he's still to, a younger he's dude. probably he's gonna old. sign with them to yeah. go into next season. So you have to think that he's like okay. Kawhi might stay with LA, but he, he might not. And this is a guy that's come from Detroit and now Cleveland. Exactly. You know, this is a guy that wants to go to a winning yes. situation. So the Lakers would be ideal for him, and I think LeBron would probably get the best, like I said, with the Tristan Thompsons yes. and, and the aging Dwight yes. Howard that had a resurgence in one of his better years in a decade, a decade almost. So, yeah, if he sees you know what LeBron can do, and, and I think Drummond would play off AD really, really well too because AD would take some of the pressure off AD having mm-hmm. to protect the rim and be that guy who can go out to the perimeter a little bit more, and that's his best ability, so – I think he fits LA really, really well. Uh, Lakers, that is, and I'm all for it, man. I think that'd be a great addition. All right, next question. Still in the NBA. Obviously, yesterday was kind of hectic, but I want to focus Shit. on this player. Kyle Lowry's staying put with the Toronto Raptors. What made teams not pursue a trade for a player like Kyle Lowry? His age. Um, he's going to be 36 years old. He's undersized. I think he's just at six foot. Uh, Kyle Lowry is still a very good basketball player. Um, I just think that there's an age factor. I think he's got two years left on his deal, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. So, yeah, I think there's there's a couple years left on his deal, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah. he he hasn't been he hasn't been very good this year. No, no, he's still good. Like he in the playoffs last year, he bowled out. Yeah, he absolutely bowled yeah. out in the playoffs. So I yeah. think for like a, a team that needs a mercenary, that he'd be a perfect guy. The Lakers would have been a great spot for him. Yeah, honestly. they they, 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 they were got, there were tra- talks about that. They got Schroeder though. That's the guy that was he would have taken Schroeder's spot. Yeah, exactly. Just he just didn't really, yeah, he, the, the Lakers did were interested in Kyle Lowry. The problem though again is that I think there's an attachment to a contract that I think teams are not comfortable with as he's going into his late 30s, not just his mid 30s. Yeah. Not everyone not everyone ages like LeBron James. Like that's not going to happen for Kyle Lowry. You're going to see a steep decline coming very shortly, and I think teams are just like, look, he's had a hell of a career. He's been a really good player, even as, as hell. even as 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 early as or as recent as last playoffs. Like he really balled out. Yeah, 
can he replicate that at 35, 36 years old? Teams probably just didn't want to move on to that, you know? Yeah, I, I like his his aggressiveness, the way he approaches the game. He's fun to watch. He's really reckless, um, but he's a a true point guard. I mean, the guy is a go. He's he's a bucket man. That guy can go score from anywhere on the floor. He's very aggressive at getting to the the bucket, being an undersized guy as far as you know in his position. So, um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. He's kind of a lifer there in Toronto. Um, I don't think he would have chosen to leave. I mean, but the the team probably just couldn't get a deal done, like you said, because age factor. The money that's wrapped up in him with his deal where he's at right now um and his production's been down this year toronto's been kind of a dumpster fire um from what they were last year they definitely declined but um yeah it's not really surprising me to be honest but i mean a lot of teams could have used him i just think that the scenarios and the way everything was structured just prevented it so. uh, I'm, a, I'm actually off on that he actually is a free agent next season so i think it was his last year yeah i thought year. there was two years left on the deal but i, I was wrong on that yeah. he actually his cap at this year was 30.5 million that's My what i'm saying God. a lot of money but. 34 years old he'll be 35 in, in a couple months but if they traded in toronto would have to cover most of that though yeah there's that's yeah so I, mean, I mean they could have made it some teams could have made it work i think they were willing to trade on they were willing to listen to trades but yeah. teams pulled out yeah last i think the clippers, Shit, the clippers would have been a great spot for him. he'll be 36 in three days so maybe, te- like I said, maybe teams are just considering the age factor. I have no idea. I mean, he'd, he'd have been really good. Maybe teams didn't want because the Raptors, you have to remember that side of things too. Maybe they were asking for a lot in return. He was a, so, he was a late bloomer, though. So No one wants to resign him, you know. To the reports, that there's more reports that uh, say that Kyle Lowry, I mean, they were saying that he didn't get traded because teams didn't know if he was only going to be a rental for the remaining That's of the season. Exactly. So you're giving up, let's say you give up a first-round pick. Or let's say you give up an, a, a, a yeah, younger you be, player. you got to be an elite player for a one-year Yeah, year you get him for like a Kawhi month. Leonard a couple years ago. Yeah, you, you get gotta, Kyle Lowry at 36 years old for a month, and then he goes and signs or retires. You know, like there's – yeah. You're giving that up for, like I said, a mercenary at that point, and yeah. it's he's, it, not, he's not the guy that's going to put you over the top to be a championship. Exactly. Team. Well, yeah, and it would really depend. And if you were getting, if he was going to the Lakers, okay, obviously that's a hell of a move because even though he'd be impeding on Schroeder a little bit, yeah. you're adding that, that type depth. of yeah. You're talking about a champion, a, a champion. True this champion. guy was a true champion. Yeah, yeah. Really, you know, maybe would have been legacy. I would have been a champion a couple times if it wasn't for LeBron. For you being can honest, make those Raptor teams. You, were you good. can make the case he's the greatest Raptor ever. Oh yeah, I think he is. I think he is. I mean, VC, Kawhi was there for one year, man. Let, you want to talk about mercenary? He was, he was gifted. He was gifted that shit, and he missed twenty four games. Like that's the one season he's there. He missed a quarter of the season, and they so, won. Well, yeah, exactly. They went seventeen and six without Kawhi Leonard. That's really impressive, you know. I don't Kawhi. even want to go there. And then right. the Warriors lose two superstars in the finals. Yeah. How difficult was that? Their fault. When KD know. was in there. The Raptors were fucked, dude. They could not stop Kevin Durant. There was not a guy on that team that could slow him down. Yeah. Anybody. It was yeah. LeBron's fault. He lost with Della Vadova. But, yeah, we'll go there. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now, I want you guys to uh, see if you guys can recap what happened yesterday in the, the NBA, like uh, that hectic. What, what trades you guys think were, like, the outstanding ones and what trades you thought were, like, ah, yeah, why'd you do that? I'm gonna, I'm gonna let Trevor have this one because ah. I I have I look, look yesterday was my birthday, and I, a lot of shit went down in the morning, and I did not get to follow the trades exclusively as oh, you guys I'm did. Call you Canelo. Yeah, it's fine. It was there was so much, dude. There yeah, was so, so much. Trevor movement. takes the reins on this one. Um, I like the Evan Fourier move to Boston. That's a that's a sleeper move because I that dude provides because I was even saying they needed to go after Blake Griffin. He's better than Blake Griffin at this point. He can shoot the three really really well. Really good uh, shooter. Is, is more crafty. He has that Euro style ball. He's he's been a good player in this league consistently every year. Um, he's just kind of one of those guys that no one, everyone kind of overlooks, like kind of like a Joe Ingles type player. Um, 
so I think that's a great addition because it's not only a shooter, but he's a taller guy too. He's a, he can play power forward if you want to play small. Um, that's a great addition to the Celtics. That could help them um, towards the end, last stretch of this heading into the playoffs time for the Celtics. Um, J.J. Redick to the Mavericks. I love that move because not only have the two of the best three-point shooters in the league with Seth uh, um, Curry, and you got Luka, Seth Curry, and J.J. Redick on that team. That's a good rotation of shooters right there. And they have other guys, too, that can shoot the ball as well. you got Porzingis, obviously. So that's a very versatile team. So I like the Mavericks heading into the postseason. I think they can make some noise with that move. I think that adds really good depth and um, veteran depth with Redick. Redick always contributes everywhere he goes. Um, really good player. Um, he's always healthy. That's what I'm saying. He's always consistent. He hits yeah. big ass. He hits big shots, man. That guy is clutch. And you got Seth, too, like I said, who's clutch as shit, too. hits big shots. And then you got Luka. Yeah, that's a squad up there in the backcourt, man. So I like that addition a lot. Um, I'm trying to think of the other one. Oh, Aaron Gordon, man. Aaron Gordon to uh, Denver. To Denver. I mean, Denver was already loaded. Right. Denver. I mean, Denver might have the MVP of the league on their team right now, playing an all-time level. I mean, Jokic's numbers are so ridiculous this year. I mean, they're already ridiculous the last couple years. Jokic ain't no joke, bitch. I, so I Aaron them, Gordon. I picked, I picked the Nuggets to make it to the finals. I'm just. Oh, you're gonna be wrong. I mean, that depth is incredible over there, especially the power forward position. You know, what I mean, they have Millsap there still. They still got uh, um, what's the name that's been hurt? But uh, gosh, dang it, the the tall kid that shoots. Michael Porter Jr. And Michael Porter, yeah. and they have depth, man. So that Aaron Gordon is that aggressive dude that will. He's he's a Blake Griffin light. Always, he's similar to Blake Griffin in his prime, but not as good. He's like a prime Blake Griffin light. Yeah, he couldn't shoot like Blake, but, he's but he, a, his skill set's very specimen. similar. He'll he's drive the lane, spin off you, and dunk that shit on you. He's one of the best dunkers. Two-time dunk, uh, yeah. dunk contest winner. His vertical's like, wild. Yeah. He, he does and have he some injuries. One he's only like what one of three yeah. or four guys to ever win multiple dunk yeah, yeah. contests. He's I mean, an incredible. Really he's an incredible specimen, but he does deal with injuries here and there, knee stuff. He's had some injuries in his past, um, but those are the biggest ones in my mind. Uh, the Aaron Gordon to me was the biggest one because that's already a contender. You know, Nuggets in my mind are already contender. They were last year. Um, if they could take that next step and have that extra layer in depth of Aaron Gordon, I mean that's a that's a big move. But I love the Fournier one. I think that's gonna we're gonna see that play out actually pretty well for because of the uh, Gordon Hayward being gone, they missed that production. Gordon Hayward's had a really good year over there in the Hornet with the Hornets. Uh, he's had some really big game, couple forty point games this Overshadowed year. Overshadowed by Lamelo Ball's you know, for sure prowess, but he, he's yet. been consistent, man. He's he's really been playing really really some of his best basketball of his career. So it's been fun. There's to watch no play. pressure on him now. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, he's but he, he was. There wasn't much pressure on him in Boston either. There was. He got a $100 million contract. That's true. The contract, but, I mean, he, but he was the third option offensively. I know, but I'm saying you know there I mean? was expectation because that team was getting to the Eastern Conference Finals. He was supposed to be a big-time player. But and then he came back from a ma- massive injury. People were expecting him to you know, yeah. produce. And he I, I thought Lonzo was going to get dealt. There was a lot of movement about Lonzo going to the Clippers, going to a couple other teams we're looking into. I think the Knicks or something like that were looking into him. Or The Clippers yeah. were strong on him. They really they did want him. Yeah, Lonzo's a, a good facilitator. Hell of a he defensive could, player. Really good defender. Yeah, yeah so. So, um, but I think him staying where he's at is the best spot for him, to be honest, with Zion. I think that's good. It's a good nucleus over there with Ingram and Zion. Um, but yeah, man, those those in my mind were the biggest moves, the, the kind of the biggest names. Uh, so yeah, the the there wasn't much. I don't think anything really. There was a lot of like shuffling of like rotational guys. The Kings picked up some no name really guys. Uh, I know the Bulls picked up a, a center, right? Oh yeah, the Bulls they traded off. Um, I can't. Oh no, 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 yeah, the, no. That's actually a really big one. The Bulls got Vuvicic from yeah from the the, uh, the Magic, yeah, the big move. who's uh, one of the, the best centers in the league. The guy's averaging like twenty five and eleven. You know, he's having like some Kevin Love prime very Kevin Love player in the NBA. Yeah, 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 very good skill too. A good passer and he can shoot. 
So yeah, the magic's pretty much cleaned house. Yeah, so the magic. Yeah, they cleaned house. Yeah, 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 yeah. So and I mean, they already lost um, my boy early in this year. Um, I always forget his name for some reason. I'm drawing a blank. But yeah, I mean, they. Your boy. Yeah, it's my boy. He's his boy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just I, forget his name. I'm doing, I, yeah, I'm bad with that. I draw blanks all the time. But yeah, man, those were the in my mind, those were the biggest moves. I think the 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 Celtics with with um, Fournier picking up Fournier is a very good pickup. That's it. That's that's the kind of player they're missing. They needed that versatile forward uh, that can shoot. So uh, that one, Aaron Gordon, definitely going to the Denver. That's a loaded roster, man. Um, and then I love the JJ Redick too. The Mavericks. That's a deadly shooting team over there. So if if Porzingis can stay healthy over there and they can get that tandem really working together, that's the Mavericks can make some noise in the postseason. So all right. Uh, now moving into the NFL, obviously. Uh, Earlier today, uh, it was reported that the 49ers have moved uh, to the, I believe, the third round pick of this Man, year's third, NFL, third overall pick. Third overall pick of this year's uh, NFL draft. And according to ESPN's Diana Rossini, she has reported that even though uh, the Patriots resigned last year's starter Cam Newton, a Garoppolo yeah. trade is still possible. Mm-hmm. So, just did, Fields, did the watch. 49ers do this trade in? Because they knew that the Patriots wanted Garoppolo. Uh, yeah, I think that the Patriots are very much in the business of getting Jimmy G back. I don't think it's going to happen. I think what the Niners have full intentions of doing because I, I do, I do think there has been different different truths throughout this offseason. I do believe John Lynch was having GM speak when he was saying, "Oh no, we have full confidence in Jimmy Garoppolo," but deep down he was looking for trade opportunities. Mm-hmm. Now I think they've recalibrated as a franchise. I do believe they're going to try to replicate what the Chiefs did with Patrick Mahomes and Alex Smith. I think you're going to see, because Jimmy Garoppolo's got one year left on this deal, I think you're going to see him play this deal out with the San Francisco 49ers. They're going to either take, I think they're going to take Trey Lance. Mm-hmm. I'm, Trey Lance, outside of Trevor Lawrence, is my favorite quarterback in this draft class. I think he's the most skilled, and he picks. He does blitz package pickups. No other quarterback in this draft is doing that. He's already ahead uh, schematically and and, and 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 just from a brain standpoint as a quarterback, that speaks volumes. Not to mention, dude, six foot four, two hundred eighteen pounds. Yeah, I think they're going to go after a quarterback. Obviously, the third pick, they don't trade to the third pick if they're not going to get a quarterback. Yeah. So they're going to do that, and I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be that quarterback to ease that drafted guy in this season. I don't think they're going to start a rookie quarterback this season. They're either going to keep a veteran quarterback, a veteran presence who they believe in, in Jimmy Garoppolo. Will the Patri- if, the, if the Patriots come in, though, and say, hey, listen, we'll give you an offer you can't refuse for Jimmy, then, yeah, it will probably happen. You'll see Jimmy Garoppolo back in New England. I just don't think that's going to be the move that New England ultimately makes. I think you're going to see them be very aggressive on draft day and trade up and actually get one of these quarterbacks in this draft, whether it's Mac Jones, whether it is Trey Lance. It's going to be one of these quarterbacks. I think the Patriots are going to use a lot of their draft stock to move up in this draft and get one of these young quarterbacks that everyone's high on. Yeah, I don't think Jimmy. I don't think the rookie, whichever rookie quarterback they draft, which I think is going to be Justin Fields, uh, is going to have to start right away because I think the Patriots and the Niners are going to do a deal before the trade deadline this year. Mm. I think I think they're going to draft Justin Fields and they're going to utilize that mobility of Justin Fields. He's a very mobile kid, um, strong. I like him a lot coming into this draft, honestly. Um, I think he's a good fit for the Niners. I think he, with the way Shanahan runs that offense, through the running backs pretty much and through a lot of motion, I think Justin Fields fits that offense really, really well with his mobility because Jimmy G hasn't been able to provide that. And none of their backups have been able to provide that either. Uh, all their backups have been stiffs, you know. Um, so 
I think they want a mobile quarterback. And I think Justin Fields fits that mold, um, and he would be able to play that you know RPO and go on the run if he wanted to. Um, I think that's what's going to happen. I think they're going to draft Justin Fields if he's there, number three, uh, and I think they're going to end up you know kind of molding like kind of molding him as the season goes on. I mean, we saw Carson Wentz get benched, you know. So if Carson Wentz can get benched and Jimmy G is struggling throughout the year, and it's week six, week week eight. Um, and you know they can get a trade done by the trade deadline, send Jimmy G back packing for maybe a couple picks and a player, or a couple, just a couple picks, period, for next year's draft from the Patriots. And the Patriots have shown they've been aggressive so far this offseason, probably the most aggressive team of any team. Um, I wouldn't put it back past Bilicek. This is another kind of a toss-up here. They're not, they know they're not really competing yet, and I don't think they really believe in Cam. I think they kept Cam there maybe as a piece to, in a trade too. Who knows? Um but that's what I think is going to happen. I think they're going to get Justin Fields. I think he fits that team. I think Shanahan likes him. Um, I think he would fit with that the way that offense runs, and I think they would. They're going to end up trading Garoppolo before the trade deadline. You have to you have to understand that the NFL draft this season starts with pick three, because the first two picks are solidified. Yeah. yeah. Trevor Lawrence one hundred percent is going to J- Jacksonville, and Zach Wilson is one hundred percent going to uh, New York Jets. Yeah, yeah. it's it's one hundred percent. Those guys have already been picked. So. This is actually the first overall pick. The Niners essentially got the first overall pick at this point. So it's really just going to come down to which quarterback yeah. remaining is the one they want. And I and, and Justin Fields, you make a compelling argument about that because he is very mobile. He's got a good arm. He's got a He's, nice skill set. The man. thing about it is, like, well, they, I'm not going to make a debate about out of a, it. Out of a take. great school. Trey, Trey Lance is four inches oh, taller. Oh, I like him too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it just, he's just as mobile, if not just more mobile. Uh, just an incredible arm. I, I just I, I'm big on Trey Lance, so I, yeah. I think the Niners are going to take him and keep Jimmy G for one season and just ease Trey Lance into this situation because Kyle Shanahan's safe. He ain't going nowhere. I just think so. He knows he can he can gamble on it. I year. just think that that Niners team is ready to win now. If they can get a oh, yeah. they can just get a flash in the pan but year. They got from, to the Super Bowl with Jimmy G, so they feel comfortable with for him. sure. Yeah, I they just, feel comfortable with Jimmy G. They do. If you just throw in a dynamically athletic, mobile quarterback into the mix, even if he is a rookie, but just you know a raw talent. I then he they live and die through Dinkin and Duncan and use and finding creative ways to get the running game going. I just think that would be an ideal spot for Justin Fields. I it's almost like it's almost like the Chiefs should have done that with Patrick Mahomes his rookie year. <laughs> no, weird. dude, you, you ain't gonna get you ain't gonna twist my arm for that one. <laughs> Last question, and this is all I'm gonna say, and I want to get your thoughts on that. Eagles, look, man, I know that everyone's like, well, they got multiple picks out of trading out of the sixth spot. For me, it's a stupid move because multiple reasons, and I've explained this on Twitter and Facebook. They literally tanked the final game of the season to miss the playoffs and keep that sixth overall pick, only to trade it three months later. Yeah. And here's the thing. Everyone's like, well, yeah, but they got multiple picks. Okay, That's what they're going but for. But they traded out of the top ten, okay, which is dumb in my opinion, unless you know for sure who you're getting, which I don't think they do, no. because this is an incompetent franchise. <laughs> they literally fired the head coach that got them their only Super Bowl victory two years after. I think, and, I think he wanted out. And there, the, okay, but the reports were that they fired Doug Peterson because he wanted to move off Carson Wentz. And then the Eagles move off of Carson <laughs> yeah, Wentz it was the right in move. the same offseason. Yeah. So I don't trust whoever it is. Uh, was it Nick, uh, the, the the new coach, Casario? Is that, is that, that's the guy. I always get the names mixed yeah. up. Casario, I think, in Houston. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. The, the new head coach, though, the they got I'm not even sure. It's it's just it's no, baffling to me that the, the Eagles made made this type of decision. They they, they they're firing their head Is coach. They got them. He has a statue yeah. in front of their stadium. They fire him 
700 days after he wins them their only Super Bowl. Yeah. Then they cut the quarter. They trade the quarterback that he wanted to move off of initially. Now you don't even know what is what. That just shows you. It's, yeah, it's that just shows you that that's mess. a franchise that doesn't know how to consistently win. That's Philly, man. That's what I mean. That's the they won their first Super Bowl and they they squandered the 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 moment of having that. They had it and then they just. That's this is what separates the, you know teams from like the Chiefs and the Patriots and the Steelers and the Niners. All these teams that have franchises that continually find ways to win. I said Nick Casario. It's Nick Sirianni. <laughs> yeah, one of those Italian names. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, man, I this is just Philly. This is Philly, man. This is what they. I mean, they they got rid of one of the greatest coaches of all time. You know, um, and, and and Andy Reid, and look what he did. He came to KC and you know created a, a new dynasty of his own. So it's they just don't. I just think there's a lot of like a lot of issues over there in that city with that. I just. They've never really found ways to be a consistent winner in any of their franchises, man, really. So, um, yeah, none of this surprises me. They're, I think they're just going for depth and and, and, and stockpiling, trying to stockpile picks in the, in, the, in the deep layers of the draft. And it's a bold strategy, Cotton, you know? So that's uh, hopefully it works out for them. That's definitely a Philly special for sure. Yeah, yeah no shit. Well, great Eddie Hour. We appreciate all those uh, thought-provoking, provocative questions, Eddie. Provoking, <laughs> provoking questions. Provoc me. <laughs> we cannot wait any longer because, guys, we have a great guest on the docket tonight. Our guy, our buddy, uh, NFL film and draft analyst for Arrowhead Pride, Mr. Matty Lane. Night Train Matty Lane is going to be joining us right now in the very few minutes, guys. So I hope you guys are ready because he's going to give us his honest assessment on this offseason so far for the Chiefs and what's he, what he expects uh, with the direction the Chiefs are moving forward in. So I cannot wait. I'm really excited to get his thoughts, guys. Stay tuned. We'll get back to that after this. Midcoast Modern is a Kent City focus on modern handmade and small brands. A resource for design-centric home goods, apparel, jewelry, artwork, and limited edition gifts. We support makers, artists from the Midcoast and bring in goods from makers, artists around the U.S. to offer a unique selection. Hey, yo. at it again on the spoken podcast for segment number three i am your host lance twidwell here inside the kc well not the kc studios the actual spoken studio see we're in we're in transit here guys so bear with us because we're all over the place in kansas city but we're here in the spoken studios with my guys trevor twidwell that's good and eddie ortiz we are so so excited to have for the first time i consider him a friend of the show because i'm a big fan of what he does uh with arrowhead pride and what he does on twitter he's a very very popular opinionated guy out there when it comes to chiefs news and chiefs related topics he's never afraid to speak his mind which is why i've always considered him a friend even though we've technically never met in person but that will change one day in the near future but in the meantime we got him on the show today for like i said the very first time to make this thing official it's a brotherhood now mr night lane maddie lane how we doing tonight buddy 
<laughs> oh man, I don't think I've ever had such a hyped intro into anything since uh, like maybe coming out to play high school football, guys. So thank you. I appreciate it. We are definitely friends now. Lance, Lance been all week on that. So <laughs> we've had, we've had like BJ Kissel on over the last couple of weeks. We had some, I, I'm trying to step up the intro again because I, w- I want my guests to feel like they're welcome here, man. I, I heard you I practicing that in the like, shower, Lance. I heard you practice. Yeah, I don't want this awkwardness to be like, all right, let's warm these guys up. Let's see what they're all about. No, I want you to know what we're here to do man at the very beginning so that is how I, I want that response i want that reaction so i'm glad to i'm glad to know maddie that you feel the way you feel about that introduction because i'm hoping that we get some honesty out of you in this segment because that's why we had you here today man because i think it goes without say that this offseason, I mean, we, we've been over the last couple of years, the Chiefs the Chiefs fans as a whole have been feeling great, man. Like nothing can go wrong. It's cloud 19, cloud nine, or rather cloud 15, if you will, because it's been nothing but great things. Nothing can stop us. The Super Bowl sucked this time around, but the Chiefs were there. They were knocking on the door. And many people just assume that that's going to be the case every single year from here on out until Patrick Mahomes finally retires. But there has been a an offseason, I would say, and to put it mildly, uh, of just frustration. Now, you have your Chiefs fans out there that are trying to make excuses for what's going on. But the point remains, Maddie, there, there is a there's there, there's an incompleteness that has gone on so far in this offseason. We've seen a lot of names out there that the Chiefs have been, quote unquote, aggressively going after. And it's been a swing and a miss almost every single time. And outside of Joe Tooney, there's not been a lot of real action uh, uh, for the Chiefs in this offseason. How how is what has your been what has your reaction been? I, I've followed your stuff on Twitter, man. I've I've seen what you've said. I've, I've I've read your opinions and I've agreed with most of it. But just give our listening audience a little bit of what you have been experiencing over the last few weeks as a free agency has really taken a full swing. Yeah, and so I want to be very clear up front. This is not a doom and gloom thing. I fully expect as long as the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, you're going to be a Super Bowl contender when every single season starts. So don't take anything I'm about to say to say that this is a bad football team or anything of the likes. That being said, I think you've now seen back-to-back off-seasons where the Chiefs have struggled a little bit to bring in new talent, especially when you're looking beyond just that specific year. Last year, you know, coming off the Super Bowl victory, we made a big deal about running it back because everything they did was bringing back the exact same team, try to repeat, and they almost did. So it almost worked. But when it didn't, we see it right now. You go into this offseason, you have a fair amount of guys that are starting that probably shouldn't be. You have a lot of depth players that are getting significant snaps for this team. So I did think the Chiefs are going to have to come out and have a little bit bigger of a free agency than they did. I think they kind of felt that way. They tried to spend money this offseason. It just didn't land. So it kind of feels like right now they're trying to backtrack, trying to save face a little bit, because I do think they wanted to bring in more talent than they've been able to do so far. We're, we're, we're seeing, and you mentioned it, how they went after guys like Trent Williams. Uh, I know that the Chiefs really wanted him, and obviously, I mean, who wouldn't have at that point? But there was the biggest need at left tackle, and he would have automatically not only – filled the position, but an upgrade, been an upgrade for the Chiefs, even over Eric Fisher at, at, at 100%. Obviously, they missed on that. He stayed with San Francisco. And, and we've seen other left tackles come and go in free agency. And now there's even names like Russell Okung that has been out there. And, and, and to be honest with you, Matt, I'm not the biggest fan of that type of move, not just because, you know, Russell's in his mid to late 30s now, but the fact that he's also missed 19 games over the last two seasons. So I, in my opinion, and I think you would agree with me here, Whoever the Chiefs get for this one year, because I do believe they're trying to get a veteran for this one year and try to groom a left tackle uh, from the draft, 
he has to be reliable. And and for me, I know that you know it's Slim Pickens out there right now, but Russell Okun's not the kind of guy that I would feel comfortable you know protecting the blind side of Patrick Mahomes. What are your thoughts on that? What do you think? Who's going to be the left tackle of the Chiefs in 2021? Man, I get so torn with somebody like Russell Okung because if you are trying to sign a guy for one season and you want to get as close to Eric Fisher level play as possible, it's Russell Okung. The issue is, like you just said, he's not been able to play, I mean, even a fourth or a third of a season these last couple of years. It's like, what are you willing to pay a guy that when he does step on the field, he's been relatively good. You're just having a hard time getting him on the field. Is that worth putting all your eggs into that basket? So, I mean, then if you get past him, you're looking at Alejandro Villanueva, who I don't think is near as good. I think he is a year away from being seen by everybody as a major liability. It's like, I don't love the options that are out there just in general. Maybe you just do go with the rookie. Let them learn on the fly. Don't like going into the draft having to do that, but I, there's not a lot of options left at this point in time. I mean, at this point, you might as well bring back Eric Fisher. So that way, when he is healthy, you can try to plug him back in. Maybe you just try to survive until that point. I'm not sure. I just think they were kind of left without a ton of options after the Trent Williams saga lasted as long as it did. Tyreek Hill recently came out and was, was asked by the media about, you know, why he – has he been approached by the team to restructure his contract? He said himself, when I'm signed, I'm signed. And he stood his ground, and he decided, I'm not going to restructure. I'm going to collect the money that I'm owed because this is the contract I agreed to. And he got some pushback from some, some, from some fans, and I think that it was a just a misunderstanding of, of, of what the context was of what he was saying. He didn't – I don't believe, personally, from what I read and what I heard from Tyreek, that he wasn't willing to help the team. I think that there's just a standard he's lived by since the, the un, unfortunate circumstance that took place a couple seasons ago where he was essentially you know in a, in a, in a situation where it wasn't really – his fault of what he was enduring and now we've seen since then you know he's flourished on the field he's done nothing but been a, been a model citizen and has earned every every dollar he's had but he's also lost out on some opportunities to make money in the last couple of seasons so i understand and I respect a man wanting to make the money he's made or is what he's deserved or what he's agreed to but in my opinion if the chiefs really want to stretch out money or try to get more money out of a situation with tyree kill wouldn't they want to do a restructure of sorts and to bring into a double-edged question here where where do you think the chiefs are sitting right now with tyron matthew as far as a restructure as well because you have two key veterans here that you could really stretch out some money with if you were to restructure both tyron and tyreek yeah, and the Tyron Matthew one especially, I think, is the one that's kind of the most wild that it hasn't happened because his cap hit this year is astronomical for a safety. Nobody ever thought you'd get this far into the offseason or even into the life of that contract with him still being on the roster. You would assume that they would have moved on or most likely just extended him, offered to you know, move some of this money around because he's, I think, on the hook for $19 million in terms of a cap hit this year, which is crazy. I don't know what the holdup is there. I agree with you on Tyree Kill. The Chiefs kind of took advantage of the situation that was happening this last time when they got him back under the current deal that he's on. Obviously, he should be very thankful that a team was willing to pay him big money during what was happening. Obviously, the Chiefs stood by him. That accounts for something. But you look at how good Tyree Kill is and how much he's getting paid versus other guys that are as good as him absolutely understand why he would not want to take less money right now, why he would not be willing to not want to hit the open market. I don't know if the Chiefs have approached him in terms of just like trying to extend him to keep him along longer, give him more money long term. I don't know exactly what it was. I just, I do think some fans kind of blew that out of proportion. 
if the Chiefs were strapped for money right now, which they're not, we talked about it. They've only made really one big free agency signing. They got plenty of cap space sitting around right now. But if they were strapped, I definitely think you'd see a little bit more just speed and urgency put into getting this Tyree Kill and Tyron Matthews situation under wraps. Well, and, and that's kind of where I want to segue into is, is is the whole what's next factor with free agency. I mean, are in your opinion, should Chiefs fans as a whole look more towards the draft at this point? Or do you still think that there is a chance that the Chiefs could snag or convince Melvin Ingram to meet them again and try to get, you know, get him to sign for a couple of years? Or are there free agents out there that you still think are realistic options that could contribute to this team that are still out there? So I think for the most part, you just start focusing on the draft. You're obviously the team will 100% sign some, you know, veteran guys, probably on one year deals. You might see a Tano pass and you'll come back. You might see a Bashad Breeland come back, but then you see they've been interested in Kawan Williams. They've been interested in Melvin Ingram. They will bring in guys. It's just at this point in free agency, your talent pool of guys that you want to lock up for more than a single season is very, very slim. If completely gone, only guys out there are usually veterans or guys coming off injuries that are looking for one-year deals to bank on themselves and usually not coming off their best seasons or they wouldn't be in this situation. The, the Chiefs will get better by signing Melvin Ingram, by signing Okung or Villanueva or whoever at offensive tackle. They will be a better team, but then you're going to do the same song and dance next year because the only guys left are these one-year rentals and you're not actually fixing the position during this offseason, similar to how they went about it last year. It shouldn't be news, but unfortunately it's because of the fact that you know the free agency uh, uh, offseason for the Chiefs has not been great. Uh, Demarcus Robinson has been signed back. Um, I'm not the biggest D Rob guy. I know he's a big time, you know, a fan favorite, and all the guys in the locker room love the guy to death. I, I think the Chiefs could have definitely upgraded at wide receiver two or three, but it looks like he's right now, as it currently stands, the wide receiver two, or the fact the Chiefs don't have a wide receiver two at all because McCole Hardman hasn't taken that next step, even though he was a second round pick a couple of seasons ago. I'm, I'm assuming that wide receiver is going to be a position that the Chiefs attack early in the draft. Do you agree with that, Matt? Yeah, I think they have to at this point in time. And I know that there's some people out there that think the Chiefs have just been trying to sign these wide receivers and bargain deals. They've been trying to, you know, offer them whatever a preset limit is and not going above it. And I do think in some situations that's true. But the Chiefs had, you know, the second highest offer for Juju Smith-Schuster, and it wasn't small money. They went out, they tried to get better at receiver. It simply didn't happen for them for whatever reason, whether it's Josh Reynolds choosing Tennessee, maybe more money. I haven't seen that contract yet. Juju Smith-Schuster deciding to stay in Pittsburgh where he thinks that, you know, he'll be have a better chance to hit the market with better production next year and make more money. I fully understand the logic. The Chiefs have been after wide receiver. I think if you go back to Brett Veach's press conference where he talked about them feeling good about wide receiver, feeling, you know, good about the offensive tackles that they currently had on the roster coming back, you're kind of seeing that that whole press conference is like the exact opposite of where the team actually stood. So the fact that he said the tackles were coming back and the fact that he said they feel good about their wide receivers, I think you can just bank on it being the opposite. They do want more receivers. If they don't take one of the top 100 picks, I would be shocked. This is going to be Brett Veach's, I believe, fourth draft uh, as, as the Chiefs general manager. And I think he's progressively gotten better. Uh, 2018's draft class was not that great. In fact, it, it wasn't really good at all. 
Um, but but he got better. 2019 got better with Juan Thornhill, McCole Hardman still, you know, contributing and learning how to play the game at a higher level. Uh, 2020, is, it's yet to be seen, but I think Clyde's got a lot of promise. Willie Gay is going to be, I think, an absolute stud. Uh, Legereus Seed, my God, a fourth-round pick that just absolutely popped. Um, so so there's some good signs that Brett is, is Brett Beach is starting to really gain traction and gain confidence with his uh, with the draft side of things. But in your personal opinion, how do you th- how good of a job do you think Brett Veach is doing? I'm not going to ask you to like to compare him to John Dorsey because I, I just don't think that's fair anymore. I think that's irrelevant at this point. I just want to ask the question like as a general manager as a whole, how do you think Brett Veach is doing? I mean, as a whole, I think he's done, pretty, done a good job keeping the Chiefs players, the, their guys in house. He's done a good job paying the guys that keep the entire team happy. When you pay Patrick Mahomes, when you pay Chris Jones, these guys that were signed by the team, when you pay the leaders of the team, guys that have been around, you keep the team morale happy. That makes people believe in you. He's doing a great job of that. He's done an excellent job working with the cap. I mean, I may not love the concept of paying an offensive guard $16 million a year, but what he's done with the contracts while he's been in charge, what they've done with the finances has been really good. And as you said, the drafting's getting better. We'll see about this past season because essentially your first three picks are still complete unknowns right now. So if those two of those three hit, you have a great draft class. If one of those three hits, it's still fine. Probably improvement from what they'd had in the past. So there's still a chance he's drafting better. He's doing a really good job with the finances. So he's doing good. I just, I, my philosophy on team building seems to go 100% against his general philosophy. And I know part of that's going to be the coaching staff and what they believe in. And every NFL team is going to be a little bit different, but I have a tough time wrapping my head around not investing more heavily in cornerbacks, in wide receivers, in the defensive end position right now, when you're putting so much focus on running back, linebacker, interior offensive line. So we'll just have to see how that plays out. Maybe that's what the coaches are telling them they want and they have a plan. In 2018 and 2019's draft, uh, we saw that Brett Veach didn't have a first round pick. And he was still aggressive. He was trading up. He was going after guys that he believed in and he thought were going to be franchise changers. Uh, it's yet to be seen. Um, but you saw in 2020, the first time he had an actual first-round pick, he takes a running back, and it was very controversial. Uh, a lot of fans didn't like the pick with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Some fans still really don't like it. But I, I have a hard time believing that Brett Veach is not going to be aggressive in this draft. And with the comp picks considered, uh, do you think it's more likely that the Chiefs are still sitting there at 31 taking, let's say, an offensive tackle out of OSU or, you know, taking an offensive lineman or taking a wide receiver? Or do you think he's going to trade up or trade back? Oh, at some point in time in the first three rounds, he's going to make some kind of trade. I just don't know exactly what round it will be in. Um, I don't know if it'll be the first round. I think you kind of have to really see how the board starts to fall a little bit. I think they'll chance, especially if you get five quarterbacks into the first round, that there will be talent falling. They will consider trading up to that because that's just what Brett Beach does. But sometime in the first two days, they will make a move in one direction or the other. And I have a hard time believing they come out of this draft using all eight draft picks that they currently have slated. You know, there's something that hasn't really been talked about a lot, but I've, I've been talking to a couple of good friends of mine that have been following the Chiefs for a very long time, and it, it's it's starting to bother them, and I want to get your thoughts on it. Um, and, and it might not be anything, but there, it's, it's, it's an adequate question to ask, in my opinion. Throughout this entire offseason to this point, we've heard about we've heard from Brett Veach, and we've heard about what he wants to do, and we've, we've heard him speak, but we haven't heard anything from Andy Reid to this point. And not only have we not heard from Andy Reid, at least to this point, but we, we know that Eric Bieniemy still isn't under contract. 
And I needed, I needed, I need some reassurance here from you, Matt, that it's nothing because my theory is Andy Reid is just decompressing from back-to-back Super Bowl trips. He's got an off-field issue with his son. There's a lot for Andy Reid to be dealing with outside of football. And plus, like I said, he's probably trying to take a break and trusting that Brett Beach is going to take care of business while he's away. But what are your thoughts on that? So the Eric Bieniemy aspect, I think, is a whole nother can of worms. I don't know where that's going. I don't. I'm not saying it's going anywhere negative. It's just I do find that to be interesting that he is not back. You know, he's not under contract again at this point in time. That is very interesting. No idea what that says. But as far as Andy Reid not coming out and talking yet. Not too concerned about that. Not worried. Like you said, back-to-back Super Bowl trips coming off of an embarrassing loss in the Super Bowl this last time around. And then, you know, there's the off-field issue going on with his son, which there's rumors swirling that it was somehow involved with being in the facility. Fully understand why he would just want to check out completely, not be involved in any, in, you know, the media right now and come into free agency, come end of draft when it's time for him to get up and talk about, you know, new players and stuff like that. Like it is every year, he'll 100% do it. I just think he's been around long enough right now. He's getting over, not emotionally or anything like that. He's just dealing with the whole football season in in the way he wanted it to try to recalibrate, get ready for next year when he wants to come back and return to the Super Bowl. Mm. So the draft guide's coming out soon, Maddie, and I don't want you to give away anything, but I cannot tell you how excited I am about this, man. You guys have been nothing short of incredible and diligent with the way you guys have put those things together. I'm just curious, though, man. I, you said you're, you're expecting within the first three rounds that Brett Veach is, is going to make a shakeup and t- trade up or trade back or do something aggressive. I, I do want to get your thoughts, though, because I do think although offensive line is by far the biggest need, in particular left tackle is the biggest need, not not for you to give away too much, but what positions of, of, of need on the defensive side do you think the Chiefs should attack first? Because I think corner is without question a need. I mean, Legereus Need showed promise. I think he's going to be a, a CB1 very, very soon and very shortly, and if he ain't already. I mean, the guy's been unbelievable. But barring up Rashad Breeland re-signing here, I mean, there's not a lot to take away from free agency. So uh, where on the defensive side would you like to see the Chiefs attack first and foremost? I mean, this is one of my biggest frustrations with not finding a way to address offensive tackle in the slightest in the free agency period is the fact that I would love to take a defensive end, the Chiefs to take a defensive end in the first round. I think that's where the talent for this edge class comes is going to be in the last latter half of the first round. You know, you don't have any guys that are top 10 pick worthy, but I think you have a good five guys that are worthy of taking first round selections. They have the athleticism, the physical profile that translate to success in the NFL. You don't get good edge rushers very often in the second day of the draft or on the third day of the draft. It's just very rare. So you always want to take guys like that in the first round. The issue is if you have to take a guy that can start at tackle immediately, that kind of rules out that defensive end. Now all of a sudden you're looking for a guy that's probably either a lower ceiling player or that's you know a run defender, maybe has some adequate pass rush, or you're looking for a guy that's a complete project. But they need defensive end help. Right now their defensive end depth is – Mike Dana, Taco Charlton, and Tim Ward again, maybe. Like, that's not a very good rotation across from what you have in Frank Clark. Corner, I would love to see him address it, but I think the one thing that we have seen from this front office, and this kind of goes back to their priorities versus mine, they just don't have heavy emphasis on the cornerback position, especially outside corners. The scheme doesn't put a lot of reliance on them, and it doesn't seem like the scouting staff and Brett Veach put a huge amount of value into that position compared to most other teams right now. 
Final question for you, Maddie, and I'm going to get you out of here because I appreciate every second you've given us out of your busy schedule. How much facial hair do you have left? Oh, no. Right now, I still have it all. Right now, I have it all. But uh, come tomorrow. Come tomorrow. I believe we are at the point. We are right there at the point. We're butting up against the number to where I am going to be going full Ben Stiller from Dodgeball. I will have, yes. I will have the horseshoe with the soul patch underneath it. And I have I have said on our podcast, it came out today, that if we get there, I will go outside and play dodgeball with one of my children, if not both, while sporting the facial hair. So we're right there, guys. <laughs> oh, man, I'm so stoked. The, the Casey Draft Guide, the 2021 version or the volume is uh, coming out April 5th. Go ahead and order yours today, guys. It is by far, I mean, Arrowhead Pride is already the number one source for all Chiefs-related news and topics. But I'm telling you guys, the draft guide, it, it, it satisfies, it, it, it does everything you need out of a Chiefs fan to get ready for the draft. It is everything you need as a Chiefs fan for sure. Maddie, Chief in Carolina on Twitter, you guys give him a follow. I cannot thank you enough for being here, man. We hope that you can uh, make some more time for us in the future because you now are officially a part of the Spoken Brotherhood, brother. Oh man, absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having me on. This was great. I'm, you know, sorry to be a little crunched on time today for you guys, but anytime you want me back on, just let me know. I can jump on here. But uh, the only rule now is you have to match that intro energy anytime I come back. Oh, don't, don't worry. Listen, I have very few talents in this world, but running my mouth is one of the few that I have. So I, I can I can Bruce Buffer the shit out of this. I'm just letting you know right we now. We recorded Eddie. that one, so now yeah. we have <laughs> We have, it set. We, have a, we, we have a drop for it. Now. If you want, we can copy and paste it and uh, apply it to your AP laboratory. So that way, when they introduce you, it just it just plays each and every time. I'm not going to ask for a lot of royalties here, Maddie. I'm just I'm just you know maybe throw a draft guide here or there. You know I'm just I'm just throwing out you know you know opportunities. Yeah, that's all I'm doing, Matt. You know I'll have my people get in touch with your people because I love this idea. <laughs> your people as a Kent? Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll let Kent Swanson text me after the show. No problem. Send him, send him. Maddie, we really do appreciate you guys. Give him a follow. Chief in Carolina. One of the, I'm telling you guys, honest opinion guy. That's what I respect about him the most. He doesn't always have the popular opinion, but he gives you exactly what he's thinking, and it's always on point, man. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, Matt Lane, for everything you did, man. And then uh, we uh, look forward to having you on the show later on, brother. Oh, thank you, guys. I can't wait to meet you guys in person, too. Hell yeah, man. It's going to be great. That is our guy, Matt Lane. Give him a follow, guys. We really appreciate his time. He's got to get back to it, man, because like I said, April 5th is going to be before we know it, and the draft guide is going to absolutely crush it. we got to get to you guys in the Monday mailbag. Cannot wait to hear what you guys have for us this week. We'll get back to that after this. KC Hemp Company, your most trusted CBD provider in Kansas City, shipping nationwide. Ancient plant for a new age health. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at KC Hemp Co. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. It is time for the Monday Mailbag. What we do each and every week is we give you guys the opportunity, the viewing audience, the listening audience, an opportunity to take over the show for the entire segment. Whatever you guys are pissed about, whatever you guys are happy about, whatever you're feeling in between about in the world of sports, we give you that opportunity to voice your opinion, your take, your situation, whatever it is. You put it out here in the mailbag, and we discuss it when we give you our honest opinions on the matter. Eddie, what is in the Monday mailbag this week, my man? All right, man. First off, we got Shaggy Shane, friend of the show. Hell yeah. That's a brother of the show. All right, man. Uh, you guys ready for the backstory before the question? Let's do it. All right. As we sit here Monday afternoon, 
cloudy. <laughs> Failing miserably in free agency, would you would you be opposed to trading Tyreek Hill for a first and a third round draft pick? I am not trying to be a Debbie Downer, and Tyreek Hill is amazing and still in his prime. But Patrick Mahomes needs a premier left tackle to have any sort of success in the NFL. This free agent period has been the worst ever, and I'm to the point of just blowing this team up and starting over. What would you want in this draft for Tyreek Hill? Look, dra- draft picks are very valuable. I will I will say that. Um, but what's more valuable than draft picks are proven commodities. And that's what Tyreek Hill is. As even Shaggy addressed in his uh, in, in, in the monologue he gave us in that setting up the question was he knows that Tyreek Hill is still in his prime. And with Tyreek Hill being this perfect fit with Patrick Mahomes in this offense, it's hard for me to move off of him unless – the only way I would entertain a Tyreek Hill trade is if I was – if you were to get like a prime Trent Williams or a prime Willie Rofe at left tackle. That's the only – because at the end of the day, I would I think we all agree left tackle is more valuable than wide receiver. You can replace a great wide receiver much quicker than you could a great left tackle. That's a given. But the value that Tyreek Hill has in this offense, knowing he's only 27 years old, really just tapping into his skill set and getting better as a receiver each and every year and the camaraderie and the chemistry he has with Patrick Mahomes, the only way I would even entertain the thought of trading him away, it, 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 it would draft picks, you can forget those. I need to know you're getting a 27, 28-year-old prime real estate left tackle in that mix. That's the only way I would even consider trading away Tyreek Hill, and, and that isn't out there. That trade's not there. Uh, unless the, the unless the Ravens would be crazy enough to to give us Orlando Brown for even a trade like that, which it would be crazy for them, even though Tyreek Hill is a huge name, Tyreek Hill and Lamar Jackson wouldn't fit. That wouldn't be a great fit. So they'd be basically giving away uh, a wide receiver to get a great left tackle in exchange. So that only helps the Chiefs, and that's the only left tackle I would really entertain that type of trade for. And that trade's not more than likely going to happen. So. Although I, I, I like the thought, uh, you know, the, the fun theory game that we could play about what you would get in return or what you would be down for, again, let me reemphasize, a first and a third round pick wouldn't even be close to what I'd be expecting out of a Tyree Kill trade at this time of his career and what he's been able to do just coming off a career year, an all-time great season. He has a trajectory of being one of the five to ten best receivers in the history of this game. I need five to ten greatest wide receiver in the history of this game type of trade value in return. A first and a third is not nearly enough. Yeah, I mean, the, the guy that Patrick Mahomes trusted in the biggest moment of Patrick Mahomes' career, I'm not trading away. Uh, the Wasp, I mean, the, that's the guy he chose to go to. That's the play he drew up and played it out, and which got us over the hump to win his first Super Bowl. Tyreek Hill is different, man. Tyreek Hill is prime Antonio Brown and could end up having a better career than Antonio Brown. This is the guy we're talking about. This is not a guy you trade in his prime, especially when he's not only in his prime, that the best quarterback in the league is also in his prime on our team. I'm not breaking that duo up. Travis Kelsey's aging. Travis Kelsey's probably got a couple more really good years left in the tank. Tyreek Hill's got a six more, maybe more. The guy is a specimen. He's, he's, we've seen it on the past videos when all these other players talk about who strikes fear and do the most. Who? Everyone talks about Tyreek Hill being the deadliest man with the football in his hands in the open field. His speed is just different. I know we've got DK Metcalf being the specimen he is and the speed and the size, but Tyreek Hill is still scarier than that guy is, and everyone knows this. That And then you got Patrick Mahomes throwing the rock to him. It's just I am in no way would even 
think about breaking that duo up. It's just not something. When we saw how great Big Ben and Antonio Brown were together, now you got Patrick Mahomes and maybe even a better version of Antonio Brown. I'm not, I'm not breaking that up. That's that's all time duo right there. So that's not something I want to break up. Um, even to get a left tackle, because even if you know we get a left tackle, there's, there's there's so many chances and odds of that not working out. Him not being you know chemistry wise working out with us. So I just it, and to me, no, it's a no. <laughs> For me, uh, I, I love Tyreek Hill. I love you know the Chiefs have stuck it out with him through the thick and the thin. Um, the guy's proven to be one of the best receivers in this league, um, and the chemistry alone with 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 Pat and and Kelsey and the you know the the mind eye that they have together that that the connection that's there is just too strong. So well, and, and just just to add to what you're saying and what we're saying about the value of Tyreek Hill, and just from a historic standpoint, mm. through 73 career games, I tweeted this out back in December. Through 73 career games, um, Chris Carter, one of the greatest receivers of all time, had 27 touchdowns. Larry Fitzgerald, we all know who he is, 43 touchdowns. Terrell Owens, 41 touchdowns. Marvin Harrison, Marvin Harrison had 44. Yeah, Tyreek Hill had 47. Jesus Christ, that's more than any of those guys. This is what I'm saying. He had 20 more touchdowns than Chris Carter through 73 career games. So again, you're talking about he's going to go down as one of the greatest receivers of all time. He's the he's so the, the deadliest only, weapon in the NFL. Yeah. So unless in my mind, him and Christian McCaffrey probably like oh, overall as far as his overall versatility with versatility what they can do, those two guys right there are the deadliest with the ball in their hand. I want that guy on my team. What about the guy from the Packers? Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is a great no, no, no. runner, a great receiver. He's uh, what he does. Tyreek Hill has other dimensions to his game yes. that that he cannot do. Tyreek Hill can be used in the, in the running game. He can be used as a kick returner. He can everything. I mean, and the guy's incredible, man. So that's he's different. He strikes fear into every single defensive coordinator so, yeah. going into every week. So unless you're giving me an all-time great left tackle in his yeah. prime, I'm yeah. not interested. If it, in that yeah, game. I mean, if it was a Trent Williams package deal, and we can get one of the receivers five years ago. Yeah, if we get, <laughs> yeah, if we can get like one of the receivers from San Fran too. Yeah. you know, yeah, you got. I mean, because do you take Tyreek Hill out of this offense, dude? This offense is left scrambling. Straight up, Mahomes he is, would make it work, but it's gonna be a lot harder. But on him. just losing that speed and then yeah. the production and 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 the, the double team and bracketing that the defensive coordinators have to do to worry about him alone is it opens the offense up, man. So, yeah. All right, next question comes from Billy Hodge. Uh, hello, Lance, Trevor, and the Kickstand God damn. <laughs> You're welcome for that one, baby. <laughs> God, damn. It's a new insult every single week, man. I love it, <laughs> Bill Hodge. Why are the Chiefs <laughs> holding on to Darwin Thompson if they're not going to use him? I, I mean, I have Patrick Mahomes' best friend probably. No, I think he's, it's he's I think it's paid pennies. He, yeah, he's not making any money. He's a special teamer. They're going to give him every opportunity in the world to make the team as a special teamer because he's not going to get actual reps in big games or important games because now that the Chiefs kept Dimebag Daryl, uh, Clyde Edwards-Helaire is obviously going to be the horse. I mean, you. It's and they were in the market for Philip Lindsay, so you obviously know they don't they don't really have the the faith and fortitude that that Darwin's going to turn that corner and be become an awesome running back. But what do they really have to lose though to keep him on the roster at this point? He's what twenty four years old, I think. I think he'll be twenty four this season. He's really young, making no money, solid talent, good locker room good guy, special teamer. Yeah, he's a jag at this point, and it's just because. He's a fan favorite, you know. He's he's got a cool name and he's a you know lively personality. He's this ripped little dude. Like it, it, the Chiefs lose nothing by keeping him. So yeah. at this point, if he's on this roster, great. If not, then I think the Chiefs can adequately replace him with no real issue at all. So I just think it's one of those things where the Chiefs are just holding on to him because they like him. 
Yeah, I mean, it's between him and C.J. Spiller, right? So, yeah, and they just uh, cut him today. Yeah, I would be surprised if they brought back C.J. to replace him either way. I, I, I actually like Darwin. I think he's got he's got some moxie about him that I do like, and we've seen him with the ball. We've seen him make plays. He's strong as shit for his size, man. So I think Andy Reid kind of has a special place in his heart for guys like that too. I mean, even shit, even Clyde's not that much bigger, right? They're not that, not that much different in size. He's a little bit bigger, but I just I think Andy Reid likes those versatile little boxes of dynamite type backs. So I think that's I just think he's a good he yeah. He likes them power backs. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> I just think he's a good special teamer, a good gunner to have on the special teams. You know, so making plays out there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Billy uh, Hodge. Second question: Where's our leader, Andy Reid? It feels like Arrowhead is a ghost town. Am I overreacting, or do you guys feel the same? I think it's a fair. I think it's fair to say that as a Chiefs fan, because the state, guys, look, we're not used to that. We are now in a place where championship decisions have to be made because the standard now is to get championships. The Chiefs are now in a position that we haven't been in our entire life, where Super Bowls are now the new standard. So everything is heightened. The, the anxiety is heightened. The expect, expectation as a whole is heightened. So Chiefs fans have the right to expect more and expect better from the Chiefs when they're not doing their jobs to the fullest extent or the fullest degree. And that's kind of where it's at right now. The Chiefs haven't had the best offseason. It's okay to admit that. Does that mean that everything's fucked and they're over? Like like our guy Matt Lane just said in the last segment. Is Does it mean that it's all doom and gloom? No. The Chiefs are still the representation of the AFC in my eyes, even without, even with the uncertainty at left tackle and center and d- defensive end. And there's a lot of questions about Tyron Matthew, you know, restructuring. They're still the class because they still have it better than anyone else at head coach and at quarterback. That solves so many problems right then and there. But I do agree. I, I And we talked about this in the first segment as well. Where in the hell is Andy Reid? That is an adequate question. Our guy Shaggy Shane, again, has been speaking about this on his social media platforms. It's a fair question because unlike other, uh, unlike any other offseason, Andy Reid has been very quiet. Could it be like where I'm at a little bit more on the side of I think he's probably just kind of stepping away a little bit for multiple reasons because you know getting to a Super Bowl twice in a row is great, but it's also taxing. And I'm sure he's probably trying to push away a little bit and just take a breather. Which is fine. He deserves that. Yeah. He's the greatest coach in, in Chiefs history and the best coach in the NFL in my eyes. So he deserves a little bit of a break. And the fact that he's got some off-field issues. He's got a son who's got addiction issues, almost murdered children on the road. I mean, this is, these are some real problems. Yeah. So Andy Reid has to prioritize and compartmentalize. And there's a lot of different you know avenues and, and pressures and situations I'm, I'm sure he's dealing with right now and it's not easy for him so i'm going to give andy reed the uh, severe a, a serious benefit of the doubt at this point but by draft time if we still haven't heard from andy reed i'm going to expect some answers i mean yeah there's a there's a drastic difference between this offseason and last i mean the you coming off of a super bowl victory and then coming off an absolutely embarrassing molly whopping in the super bowl uh to tom brady of, of all people so i mean this is not this offseason obviously was different because of that, and then on top of the things going on with his family, that I mean, you got to understand, you got to know that he's involved with that. You got to know that he's involved with his son and the situation that's 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 taking place. I mean, that's just um, tragic and very dramatic situation that's going on over there. So, I, me being a father, you know, I can only imagine what he's trying to deal with and, and you know, puzzle piece things together. And yeah, man, I. He's probably and he's got a lot of recalibrating to do too. He's probably trying to draw up new plays, get new things going, and you know, figure out this offensive line. You know, I'm sure he. There's no way in my mind that that Andy Reid is completely hands off with you know trying to find this offensive line and get it figured out. Because I've honestly, 
I'm not really worried about this team outside of the offensive line. We're going to figure things out offensively. We still have our main key weapons, right? So just getting Pat protected is the key. Our defense is pretty much still intact. That's why I'm not worried about this team, man. I think this team is the favorite to return again for the third straight year. All we have to do is figure out certain pieces. Obviously, they're key pieces to the offense and figure out ways to protect Pat. But I I do think we'll figure it out. I think we'll get guys in place, you know, and – um. I'm sure Andy Reid obviously has that on his mind as well. I mean, if we're sitting here, a bunch of nobodies talking about it for hours, I'm sure Andy Reid's fucking thinking about it too. So I'm sure he's got guys in mind, and I'm sure they're trying to figure out things that and, and you know, young blood to get in this draft. And I'm 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 fairly confident he's still hands on behind the scenes, and it's just he's just not as vocal because he's got a lot of personal shit going on. I think we need to respect that. Shit. We don't even have an OC. That tells you a lot. <laughs> and that's a whole like we've talked about it already oh, multiple shit. times. We asked Matt Lane about it. He that'll, he, that'll, he get, that'll that's a whole, get figured out. I hope so. That's I really do. The hope enemy's so. not going anywhere. He's going to be back. Unless there's some shit going on we don't know about. I mean, all we can do is speculate at this point. But I have no reason to doubt that the enemy's not going to be a part of this team this year. Right. I have no reason to think that. All right. Uh, next question comes from Greg Wild. That's uh, kind of. Uh, uh, touching on the same uh, where Andy Reid is kind of thing is uh, does this situation with his son affecting him? Did the car accident two days before the Super Bowl affect Andy Reid more than we have thought? How much effect did his son weigh weigh on him and the staff? I feel we have not taken this into what was going on in Andy Reid's head at this time. Uh, well, to address that last part. Directly, I, I don't think that anyone has taken that lightly. I think that we all realize, and we've said it multiple times on the show alone, that I, I would imagine that has a significant um, uh, portion. It plays a significant role in what's been going on with Andy Reid over the last couple of months, including the Super Bowl. You got to think. Uh, I'm not a father, but Trevor is, and Trevor has two children, and I would imagine just doing his day job and something's going on with his child that's similar to this would totally distract him from his production at his job, even though he would be there and trying to give it his all. I mean, it's it's going to cloud his mind. Now imagine that, but with 40 million people watching you live, 50 plus men. you know, expect you to be at the top of your game with that writing on the back of your head. I, I, I can't imagine what Andy Reid's gone through, especially again, guys, we have to remember that he lost a son as well. So there's a lot of emotion and a lot of things, and I don't even—I don't know Andy Reid personally, but I can only imagine that the human side of things is going to come out, and this is difficult for him. So I'm torn because on the football side, you 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 demand things, you expect things, but you have to remember at the end of the day, this is this is a human being just like us, and we need to be sensitive to the to the fact not going on for Andy Reid this offseason. And Trevor alluded to it; he got embarrassed. And lost to Tom Brady again. This is the second time he's lost to Tom Brady in a Super Bowl. There was a lot of legacy factors barring into this. Andy Reid wins his second Super Bowl. All of a sudden, he's... Gets revenge on Brady. Yeah, and he's... All of a sudden, you catapult him up there. I think he's already one of the five greatest coaches ever. But if he wins back-to-back Super Bowls and gets his second ring, all of a sudden, you're talking about top three head coach ever. There's a lot of leagues. They were, they were already you know putting Patrick Mahomes up there with those guys. He would have more Super Bowls than Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers yeah. and Russell Wilson. All of a sudden, you're talking about legacy on that. There was a lot riding on that game, and they got embarrassed. So the football side of things, he's probably trying to put a lot behind him and, and, and recalibrate, refocus, and give himself a fresh set of eyes going into this next season, letting Brett Veach develop into more and more of a GM and have some more say and control as the years go on and as Andy Reid ages. And then there's also the again 
this humongous elephant in the room of his son having a tr an absolute tragedy right before the weekend of the Super Bowl. So it's 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 a lot weighing on him, guys. And I, I don't even want to know what's going on in his head. But I just I, I don't even know I don't remember exactly what the question was entirely. All I know is that we we need to give Andy Reid a little bit of a, a, of a, a benefit of a doubt here, but then also keep the standard straight as to where it's at right now as far as what is coach doing, where are we going to attack this 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 you know where are we attacking this off season? What is the direction this team's heading in? You know, there's a lot of fair questions here, but to to, to sit here and, and, and figure and, and try to speculate as to where Andy Reid's mind is right now, in some ways, is unfair because, again, all the challenges he's got going on at once. Yeah, the question I think was referring to to questioning his psyche of the taking that 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 embarrassing loss and so on. I that to me that's that that, that no, not in any way. Andy Reid's been in this game way too long. He's had he's had many losses and he's had obviously come off his biggest success of the past season. So I think Andy Reid football wise is fine. Andy Reid's going to drop new plays. We're going to he's going to be who he is, who he's always been. He's always been one of the greatest offensive minds in this league. He's going to continue to do that. He's still got Pat. The Pat's the one I'd be worried about more because Pat just went through a traumatic, embarrassing moment where he's running for his life every single snap of a football game. Pat doesn't want to deal with that shit again. Pat doesn't want to have flashbacks of that again. So we need to worry about protecting Pat. Not to mention surgery. And, and Pat's and Pat's a young guy. Pat's psyche is what we need to worry about the most. Andy Reid's old man. He's this is repetition. This is muscle memory for him. Pat's still developing the crazy, you know, crazy enough. Pat's still becoming into his own. Um, so no, I don't I don't buy into the idea that this is um, behind the scenes, he's been more quiet this offseason because of the embarrassment. No, I don't. He, he just made two straight Super Bowls. There's not much to be embarrassed about. Yeah, you lost, but. I mean, you, you represented the AFC twice, two years straight. That's something to you know hang your hat on right there. Um, and he has a lot more to look forward to. Um, so I think I think this silence has everything to do with his family drama, and I'm going to stick to that. Our next question comes from Shaggy Sheen. He says, "Second question: As we sit uh, as we sit here to the Friday afternoon, four days after my first question." Do you find it odd that the Eric Minimi is still not under contract? Yeah, absolutely. And I, we've already kind of addressed some of these things, but I will respect the question and the fact that I, I just want to know what's going on. Yeah. It's so silent. Like we forget that Eric Minimi is a valued employee for this team. He is an asset. We we've been making these arguments for a couple of years now about how he needs to be a head coach, and now he's sitting here, not even with the job as an OC now. To Trevor's point, I do believe that Eric Bieniemy is going to be the OC for the Chiefs at least for one more season before he hopefully gets a head coaching job he's deserved for years now. But I just don't like how silent it is. Like you know, it's it was, uncomfortable. For yeah, her. you want assurances from your team, especially yeah. after a big, massive loss, an embarrassing loss in the Super Bowl. You want to know that the team is doing everything in their power to better. The roster, and that includes coaching. I mean, we saw last offseason, the Chiefs were like, you know what? We're standing firm. We're bringing everybody back. And they were vocal about that. They kept everybody back. Run it back was a thing months before the season even began. And now it's like, who's back? You know, that's like the new hashtag. It's like, who is back? Run it back. Now who is back? I mean, we don't really know what's going on. I have my confidences. I have my beliefs. I think Andy Reid is going to be fully engaged and ready to go this next season. I think it'll be his, what, 23rd season as a head coach. Eric Bieniemy is going to be the OC of this team for one more season. Everyone's going to be focused and, and motivated and driven to win another Super Bowl. I just, like, again, these are the times, times of the year, though, that you really want to know and be up to date as far as what's going on. But when we have our guy like Maddie Lane, who's very well connected with Arrowhead Pride, he's just talking about, he's classifying it as a can of worms. I mean, 
I want that can of worms open. I want to know what you know what the worms are doing because I have no idea what's happening, and it is frustrating. I think we're going to find out very sh- shortly as the draft draws near, and I think we'll be put at ease as to what's going on. But right now, I get why fans are upset and frustrated because I'm frustrated. Damn it, I want to know what's going on. Yeah, I mean, we, we know Brett Veach is the GM, but we we've all alluded to the fact that Andy Reid is the the big dog pulling the strings behind the scenes, and if he's behind and he's quiet and he's being discreet right now and dealing with his stuff. I think everything's going to be a little behind right now. So I think there's a lot of things in flux right now behind the scenes with Tyron Matthews' re, uh, deal, um, restructuring Frank Clark possibly. All these different things that I'm sure uh, Brett Veach is wanting to get done. But I mean, Andy Reid has got to be in the mix. enemy being resigned and, and brought back and all this. I do believe that's going to take place. I don't see. I just don't see a scenario where we we start football this next season. enemy is just not here. I just I can't fathom that. I don't think that's the relationship is just too thick. Too too strong in this in this community. Let alone the front office and the team and, and his relationship with the players and the locker room. The enemy is a, a massive part of this of what we developed here. Um, he's a heart and soul. Of this locker room. These guys, you know, would would run through walls for him. So I fully expect once everything starts, kind of like you know, getting its feet under it. I fully expect Andy Reid to be back in the mix and everything kind of starts figuring itself out. I mean, we just—I think we just need to be—we need to learn to be patient, man. Because uh, since this all, since Pat's been here, since all this stuff started, like you know, the success has come our way. It's been—we've been a tumbleweed, man. We've just been rolling, rolling, rolling. Everything has been timely. This is the first moment where we've had really had like time to sit here and look at nothing and, and read nothing about the team, nothing going on, no action. So, so it's just—it's just kind of a culture shock for us right now. For the last couple of years, we haven't dealt with much silence. Um, so I just think it's time to t- you know meditate a little bit, take a couple breaths. I think we'll be all right, man. I'm gonna create a conspiracy theory on this show. Sweet. Here we go. This is my conspiracy theory. I think I think Andy Reid and the Chiefs know that Andy Reid is retiring, and that Eric Bieniemy is on standby to sign as the head coach for the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, I'm not gonna say that's that's crazy. That could happen. But that, that's me creating a conspiracy theory. That's why we have. Oh, that's you creating mind. a fucking firestorm because now <laughs> Chiefs fans are going to run with that. So thanks, Eddie. We're going to get that in the mailbag for the next month. Uh, I'm just saying it's not crazy because the family situation. If Andy Reid decides to hang him up and really focus on his family, uh, that devastating could, loss in the Super Bowl. Right. Well, I don't know if you'd want to go. Out I, like I'm that. still, I'm still holding on. I'm still holding on to the thought though that Andy Reid waited almost 20 seasons to get a Patrick Mahomes, and now that he got has him, and they're the prohibitive favorites to get to the Super Bowl. Again, they are. Go, go check Nevada. Go check Las Vegas. The Chiefs, without a left tackle, are still the favorites to win the Super Bowl. So it's hard for me to imagine just after just ex- uh, signing that extension this last year, during the season, by the way, I have a hard time believing Andy Reid's stepping away anytime soon. I This is why I believe he's kind of stepped back, not stepped away, it's stepped back is to take matters into his own hands when it comes to the family situations while the offseason's going on. Because he does – it's it's, it's – all right, this is how I envision it. You guys you guys know how we see uh, during during the games, Andy Reid will go and sit on the sidelines when the defense is on the field. What's he doing? He's over there game playing with Patrick Mahomes, yeah, yeah. right? That's because he trusts Spagnolo with the defense. Yep. I'm envisioning the same thing with the offseason now with Brett Veach. He's going and taking care of his personal matters – and it's trusting that Brett Veach is going to take care of things on the football side right now. That's how I think he's handling it. I think Andy Reid, if we know anything about him as a man and as a coach, he trusts the people he puts in place. 
Look at Bob Sutton. For Christ's sake, guys. Bob Sutton. I never thought I'd bring him up again on the show. But he trusted Bob Sutton, Bob Sutton to a fault. He trusted Alex Smith to a fault. Were those the right decisions? No. But that shows his loyalty. That shows his character. That shows his belief and faith in the people he appoints. So Brett Veach, he knows he's the man at the job right now at the GM position. He's trusting Brett. You're going to take care of these football situations while I go home and take care of this for a couple of months. That's what I think is happening. And I think that's what's going on. I don't think Andy Reid's retiring anytime soon. No. I would be shocked if by 2025, Andy Reid is not the coach of this Chiefs team. He's retiring this year. Just saying. Be prepared. Be prepared. And he's starting a firestorm over here. Be prepared. Enemy is going to become the uh, head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs for 2021. Anything else in the mailbag, Eddie? Is there, uh, any more, is there tinfoil hat shit going on in there, too? Uh, we got three more questions, five minutes to go. So, uh, we kind of touched the uh, NBA one. Uh, who's your uh, winner or loser in, in this year's NBA trade line, deadline? Uh, listen to the Eddie Hour. Uh, we talked and discussed about yeah. it. Uh, Trevor did. Uh, he he picked who, who who he thought won the those those trades last night. Yep. Uh, and then he wanted to get your thought. Brian Herbert wanted to get your thoughts on the re-signing of Demarcus Robinson. And do you think we're done making moves at that wide receiver position? Yeah, I I, I did not. I'm not a big fan of Demarcus Robinson. I think he's easily replaceable. I think he makes a lot of errors on the field. I think he's not exactly the most intelligent football football player out there. I know the team loves him and all that stuff. Wasn't a big fan of him coming back, but I knew he was coming back. I was just waiting. And, of course, they had to make the announcement on my goddamn birthday. So that was not the present I was looking for, but it happened. I'm making peace with it. I do think the Chiefs are done on the free agency side of things with wide receiver. I do think I'm agreeing with Matt Lane 100%. I think in the second or third round, you will see the Chiefs take a wide receiver. And I think it could be the guy from Clemson. I think they're very big on him. There's a lot of other – this is a very good wide receiver draft. So I think the Chiefs are going to definitely upgrade at wide receiver two by taking a young guy who's going to have to develop develop those. So our expectations need to be mild. Yeah, he was far more – Available and productive than Sammy Watkins was last year, so I think Shit, it's a, I think I think I think it's a plus. I think it, he's he's a part of the the, the crew. He's a, he's a, he's boys with Pat, and I think just keeping Pat and the morale after coming off the loss that we just had, keeping guys that Pat enjoys playing with and has chemistry with. Yes, he runs wrong routes frequently, and it's very frustrating. <laughs> but at the same time, we've seen him make huge plays in big moments against rival rival teams like the Raiders and. We've seen him have big blow-up moments. Run straight, very, Patrick throws it. Say what you want, he is very gifted athletically. He's tall, he's fast, and he's got good hands at times. But he's just very inconsistent. That's the only real knock on Demarcus Robinson is inconsistency, right? That's the main thing on knock on he him. Can't catch a pass. But, no, he's he's had man, he's had some incredible catches. He's had some big moments. Anybody can catch one ball out of like. No, 200. he's had some. Okay, look. I'm not going to shit on him. I'm not going to be the guy that shits on him. It's not like he's cost us a lot. We brought him back you know, on a small deal. It's nothing crazy. We literally just brought him back. It's not. It's a little handshake, you know, under the table cash. It's all this really is. It's just to keep him here. He's a part of the crew. Like I said, he's a, he's boys with Pat. It's it's a morale thing. Pat, you know, just like keeping Garrett Dieter around, like, for no reason. Um, just to be a, mor- a morale thing. I think a better receiver than Stop Robinson. it. <laughs> Stop it. Um, oh, Jesus. Derek Dieter is the towel boy on this team. So, uh, yeah. Either so way, I, I actually like bringing him back. I know we could have – we definitely could still go add another piece. It's not like there's not – I don't think there's other pieces out there we can get. But, yeah, I don't mind it. All right, last question. Brian Herbert, uh, 
real quick, Steven, Steven Miosic and Francis Ngannou uh, tomorrow night. Yep. Predictions. Give me Ngannou and a knockout. Yeah, Ngannou revenge. Go with it. He's 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 a freak. He's I a love, way better fighter I love at this Stipe. point. Stipe deserves what he has in the title. He's almost what is he, forty years old now. The greatest of all time, maybe he, at that position. Arguably, yes. Yeah. At that at the heavyweight, at yeah, the heavyweight, yeah. yeah. But I think I think Ngannou is is primed and ready. He's in his prime. He's a monster. I think he knocks out Stipe. Yeah. I think he knocks out Stipe. Stipe out of something, but yeah, I, I think he wins for yeah. sure. I, I think I, he knocks him out. Yeah, Ngannou is a different oh, man. So he's going point. the distance and no, it's gonna. I'm talking like first round. It could be a technical knockout. I don't know. TKOs, yes, I can yeah, see that. Are you like gonna go the shit out of him? And it's over. What are you, what are you gonna say? TKO or uh, I'm saying TKO. Because Stipe, I'm saying knockout. Stipe he knocks him out cold. He doesn't out. get knocked out. Bro. Yeah, but he has a fucking Naganu, dude. He is Naganu. You saw what he did. You saw what he did to. He's the hardest hitting human being. I'm telling you, man. Overeem, you see what he did to Overeem. I know Overeem's become a tomato can, but still, Stipe is far more superior. Oh yeah, no, no, no. I respect Stipe. I love Stipe. I think that Naganu's knocking him out. Okay. Great Monday mailbag, guys. We have one more order of business. What is it called? Hold this It's time to hold this I want you to do me a favor and hold this L. Somebody's got to hold that L. <laughs> the who? The her. I'm talking like caps lock L L L L L L L L L Cool J stuff. Hold that L. <laughs> Good God, man! Hold this gigantic, <gasps> veiny, pulsating oh L. Man, you are one pathetic loser. You ignorant bastard. <laughs> oh, that was great. Oh, hold Sorry. this L. It is time to hold this L. Each and every week, what we'd like to do is finish off the show by handing out some friendly or not-so-friendly Ls in the world of sports. We promise you, though, no matter who gets it, no matter who holds the L, they deserve the L, and we are going to give them out right now. Eddie Ortiz, who is holding the L for you this week, my man? All right. None other than a soccer legend, uh, Macro Van Basten. Uh, uh, he played for the Netherlands. Uh, uh, probably one of the best strikers you've ever seen Play play soccer, obviously not the best, but one of the best. Uh, he's in the conversation. He played with AC Milan. Uh, that's where I know him from. He uh, he made a comment uh, about soccer, uh, the sport in general, saying that uh, talking about the offside rule. Right? Mm-hmm. We're talking about the. I hope you guys know what offside rule is. Yes, but. sir. Yes. He says, and I quote, I would like to trial, uh, trial it to show that football is also possible without the offside, uh, without the offside rule. I am convinced that football would be better without it. Uh, <laughs> what? No. I'm just going to go ahead just and cherry say, picking, uh, cherry picking yeah, news cherry, all night. Yeah. So I'm going to go say no. Soccer Jesus. would become so boring uh, because you would have those players just chilling with a goalkeeper. Yeah. All, right. all time. All they gotta do is wait for a ball to get kicked that yeah. that way. 
That makes I, no that, sense. I, yeah, you're just cherry picking. You're just literally there's, standing on the bottom of the. Yeah. You literally don't. Have someone to, of his caliber saying that is yeah. strange. You literally don't have to have like uh, your formations like a four three three or anything like that. There's no. There's going to be no tactic to that. Just kick the fucking ball close to the goal, and then the other player will get it. <laughs> like, brilliant. Fuck out of here. Yeah. Uh, I do believe they need to. Uh, update some of the offside rule thing with the whole var include uh, that came in and all that situation uh being called offside because your fucking fingernail is longer than than the other defenders <laughs> play uh fingernail is and you get called <laughs> offside for that i do think that there's uh, some technicalities in the offside rule that could be changed yes i do agree i, I think with uh with var and all that stuff i, I think it's better to say like yeah, okay, that's going to be uh, not offside. If your fucking finger's uh, extended past yeah. the defender, that's not gonna, we're not going to count that as offside. No, that's silly. Because in t- like today's uh, soccer, if literally your hair is beyond the defender's uh, – They'll call that shit. They, yeah, they'll call it offside. Too much. So there is some technic- Yeah, there's some technicalities that in the offside rule could be changed. Yeah. Not taking it away. That is the dumbest – the most idiotic thing I've ever heard in my life, and to like Trevor said, to come from somebody with that like with that kind of pull in soccer, like yeah. the magnitude of his name in soccer is mind blowing. <laughs> so for that, Macro Van Basten, his name's weird. Van Bastard, more like yeah. it. Um, <laughs> you have to do me a favor and. Hold this hell. Trevor Tootle, who's holding the hill for you this Man, week? Man, I hate to double down on this guy. I think we talked about him last last week or the week before. I can't really remember, but yeah. Myers Leonard. Um, man, what a downfall. I'm not saying I know he wasn't some mountaintop guy. The guy was obviously after the racial slur stuff, the anti-Semitic stuff, he said. Um he was obviously traded to the Thunder. In a, in a way for the the heat to acquire Trevor Reza, I believe. And um, so and then it was announced, I think yesterday, that he was waived after the trade deadline, waived by the Oklahoma Thunder, Oklahoma City Thunder. So now the guy is completely without a job, has an expired contract after this year, is without a job in the NBA, was just on a team that was in the finals this past season. You no, know, riding the bench was a role player, decent player, a pretty versatile big. He can shoot. Um, no one special, but he was he was he was on a roster that was you know could possibly go to the finals again this year. They could be another sleeper team. They've made some good moves um, with picking up Oladipo. I think they're going to get Lamarcus Aldridge. They're they're building. They're trying to make another run at it. He could be a part of that right now. But now he's a poster boy for, for what some, happens. For what happens, and I love the NBA has done this, and it's brutal. But the guy's without a job now, just like that, within a matter of a couple weeks, man. This guy was on a, a contender team in the East. You know, has a good locker room, good coach, is in a good spot, riding the pine for a team that's a, a winner. Miami Heat, he's in Miami. I mean, yeah. the dude's got to make a young, attractive, tall, white dude playing in the NBA in Miami. And then he went from having his little Zoom slip up, saying some anti-Semitic shit. Now he's gone. Now he doesn't have a job. He might not ever have a job again in the NBA. He's lucky if he lands another gig somewhere else. So, I mean, it's listen, man. I mean, if these guys don't. This is something that happens all the time, and we we see it. And these guys, these guys just don't learn. I understand he's young. I understand the these people think they can get away with more 
when, you know, when they're comfortable around their homies playing, you know, video games and they think they can say more things and get away with it. But man, it's, it's tightening up and right? for good reason, especially in the time and days that we're in right now, where tensions are high with that stuff. It's just, I just, I hope for him, for his sake, if whether he gets another NBA job or not, he just learns from this and other players can learn from his examples of what not to do moving forward. So, like I said, I hate to double down on this guy and kick him completely in the teeth when he's down with the lowest of low right now, but he's going to have to do me a big favor and hold, hold this L. L. So, we give out a lot of L's. We've given out, what, 109 L's to this point. And there's some that, like, you know, really don't that like aren't that significant to us. It's just like, oh, yeah, this was kind of funny, and this person, you know, set themselves up for that. Ah, it's, it's all cute and funny. And then there's some that we're just, you know, Trevor's made the most depressing ones. I mean, I, I swear we should, we should have like Freak from Radiohead playing behind Trevor every time he does his. But um, there are some that really do get under my skin, and it's and it's more of a serious L, more of a fuck you to these people because they deserve it. And a poster, you want to talk about poster boys, Trevor? Let's talk about Col- Colby Covington from the UFC. Oh, I hate this, this so walking piece of shit uh, <laughs> finds himself in the news again. It's not because he's getting his ass beat by uh, Kamaru Usman again because he's not even worthy of getting that fight, that rematch, because he did enough damage to his face the first time. And uh, Usman, I think, is fighting, uh, what's his name, Masvidal in, this, in the rematch. So mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that one. But yeah. Colby Covington found himself in the news again. I want to read you guys why exactly that is. So bear with me as I give you guys this verbatim from uh, actually a website called Worldwide of Sports 9.com.au. It's never heard of this before, but this is actual a, a report from them just a day ago. Quote, uh, controversial UFC fighter Colby Covington is once again turning heads for the wrong reasons after making sexual comments about a fellow fighter on a podcast. Covington is 33, who is remembered as one of the welterweight contenders in the world, one of the best welterweight contenders in the world, was recently on Australian MMA podcast Submission Radio when asked if he had been offered a fight against fellow American Leon Edwards. This is his quote. There wasn't much talks. I was balls deep in Pollyanna Viana. So to get me off of the couch for on three weeks' notice to fight some dude named Leon, it was going to be a price tag, Covington said. And in regards to who he quote-unquote was in balls deep was a fellow fighter by the name of Pollyanna Viana, a woman a UFC fighter, and they have a picture of them just weeks before these comments were made hanging out because, again, they're teammates. They're somebody that should be respectful of one another, and it looks like they're just friends. They're hanging out here and there, and it's a, it's a picture of him from his own IG account, just like I said, a few weeks before these comments were made. And when asked if they were an item, Covington was slightly coy. Um, his quote was, everyone's going to have to use their imagination on that one. I'm not claiming to be her boyfriend, but what's up with titles these days? Why does these have to be a, why does there have to be titles? Why can't two adults just have fun together? End quote. Viana, for her part, said on social media, and I believe she's Brazilian, so we couldn't get a, a, a actual like English response from her. So they had to translate it, but this is her response in English quote. I feel sorry for those who have to act so low to try to promote themselves, she wrote on Twitter, and then continues her post by saying, we were just friends and that I already have a boyfriend. It is revolting, she added. The 28-year-old Brazilian strawweight was on a three-fight losing streak in the UFC before victories in each of her last two fights, including a win last month at UFC 258. 
It is not the first time this year that UFC has had to deal with a male fighter making sexual comments about a female colleague. And at the start of this year, Casey Kinney was also somebody who did the same thing uh, on the shot with Sean O'Malley if he would smash Australian featherweight Megan Anderson. So this is an actual problem that the UFC is now facing. And I, you know, people try to make the justification, well, it's a barbarian type of sport, so you got to expect these guys to, you know, these alpha males to be acting this way. No, stop it. There is no, under under no circumstances, any justification for being a piece of shit. And that is what Colby Covington has always been. You want to go down the line of all the reasons why we can name him that, but that's what he is. And this just, this, this horrific statement he made about not just a woman, period, which is horrible in itself. Talking like a 12-year-old. Yeah, but somebody balls deep, he's those balls to deep have, like, he's come on, direct man. respect for. This is a woman that it, it shares the same art as he does. Yeah. This is supposed to be a colleague, a friend. Yeah. And you're talking about her like this. That's bullshit, man. Like you gotta have I, I don't know. I know Dana White shares same, you know, same political views and things like that with Colby Covington. So he's probably not gonna come down on him. And he brings uh one hell of a following. Colby Covington, you know, he's he's like this generation's Chill Sonnet, even though Chill Sonnet just fought a few years ago. He's, he's that mouthpiece. He's more classy than that. He's, Chilson yeah, Chilson is an articulate. I don't, I don't even right. mean to disrespect right, right, him in right. that regard. But he's that mouthpiece that Colby's brings people. bottom feeder. And with, with McGregor being in and out of the sport, you know, they're, they're looking for that mouthpiece. Colby Covington. This ain't it. A poor man's poor man of a version of any type of MMA great, all-time great fighter, has to do this in order to stay relevant. Because before he started running his mouth like this, nobody knew who he was. And that's how he got the Usman fight. And that's how he's been relevant. And he got his ass beat in that fight. And I don't even know who he's going to fight next. All I do know is this is unacceptable in every regard imaginable. Yeah. And th there is no place for this. And it's a serious L because it, it, you're talking about disrespecting a woman and, and to the core of just being a woman, talking about her in just a sexual manner like that, and then it being somebody that you're supposed to respect in the same sport, in the same league, in the same realm, man, you're you're supposed to be friends. You're supposed to like half her back about stuff. It just it's it's unacceptable. It's disgusting. And for that, my guy Colby Covington's gonna have to do me a favor and hold this out. Yeah, I can't. I hate. I cannot stand that guy for anything, man. How childish. Before we get out of here, though, I do want. I made a promise. Uh, we came in contact with a guy that I've known for quite a while. Or known of for quite a while, and we've recently gotten in contact with, and I was really excited about this, and I wanted to end the show on a positive note. Our guy, artist chief Corey, my guy Corey is actually going to be uh, doing. He does incredible work, man. I mean, this, I don't know if you guys have ever seen his art before, but Corey Jones, uh, longtime Chiefs fan. I'm sorry, uh, yeah, Corey Jones, a longtime Chiefs fan, is uh, an, an actual artist. He does mm -hmm. a lot of drawings. Yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, it's and prints, all kinds of incredible things, man. I've been a big fan of his. For quite a while, man, and he actually we teamed up this week. Him and I had talked, and we were like, "Hey, man, you know what? This is a great opportunity to you know do a cross promotion." And so he sent us not did not hesitate, gave me these two prints to give away. Um, we had some great responses of it, and I wanted to actually announce the winner this week. Uh, the Twitter handle is at TF Chiefs. We don't know the guy's name, but his initials, I believe, are TF. Uh, he's a retired law enforcement. A uh, lifelong Chiefs fan. Uh, I, I guess he's a Mets and Boston Bruins fan as well. So he's kind of all over the place with his with his fanhood. But man, I, I wanted to announce the winner. It is TF Chiefs at TF Chiefs is going to win the two prints that our guy Corey Jones was so graceful in giving out. Um, he's, I mean, you dude across the board. He has pictures of Patrick Mahomes and mm -hmm. Chris Jones, BJ Kissel, 
all the big time names, man. He's gotten prints too, and he's incre- he has incredible work, does credible uh, uh, quality work, man. And, and you guys need to follow him. Uh, his Twitter handle is actually Corey O four zero, and it's not zero four; it's O. So Corey O four on Twitter. Follow his work. You guys can order from him, man. This guy is incredible, like I said, what he does. And we're really glad to be doing that with him. So, TF Chiefs, congratulations. You got two prints coming from Mr. Artist Chief himself. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to do more of those in the future. But in the meantime, this is our show for the week. We're hoping to get some more news out of the Chiefs this week, some positive news uh, as we turn the next chapter going forward into 2021. Free agency is pretty much over at this point, so now we really get to look towards the draft, like our guy Matt Lane said from Arrowhead Pride. So we look to the draft. It's about a month away to the day. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing what the Chiefs are going to do with their picks. I'm looking forward to Andy Reid coaching our team for another season, unlike what Andy, uh, Mr. Eddie Ortiz over here believes. But we're going to stay at it, man. This is going to be a fun off season, guys. We have, like I said, just about a month to go, and we can unpack all the draft picks. we got some great guests coming up. If you guys missed it on KCPN, we have Taps on Main now as our official studio, our flagship station. We have this incredible studio in the back of uh, Taps on Main uh, in downtown Kansas City, Missouri. So if you guys want to come hang out with us, man, it's, we're going to be doing our show still every Friday night, right around the same exact time. So if you want to come out, have a beer, get some food. Uh, vaccinations are going out there, guys, so things are starting to clear up, hopefully in the very near future where we all can just hang out as much as we did before 2020. But KCPN, our network, uh, is now officially at Taps on Main. So get the word out. Spread the word, guys. Come hang out with us. Come have a beer with us on Friday nights. If you have other nights available during the week, come hang out because we have content providers each and every day of the week. We're so excited for where KCPN is headed. We're so glad to be a part of this, man. We, we just, we're just glad to be here. So And we're happy you're here more than anything. And thank you for listening to another episode of The Spoken Podcast for Trevor Twidwell, for Eddie Ortiz, for The Artist Chief, for Clay Windler, for Matt Lane. I am Lance Twidwell. Episode 109 of The Spoken Podcast is done. Finito, it's gone. Till next week, we out of this bitch. We're going to get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned in to The Spoken. I might actually stick, I might actually stick around for a little bit.